Hello, and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, or Krypton, as some people pronounce it, a Superman podcast. I am Connor from the House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. And together in this barren wasteland, we are joined by two other special people from the Krypton Report podcast. Uh, They are not in a barren wasteland, from what I understand. (laughs) No, they are uh, in a different place altogether, but uh, no less Superman-ly. Yes. So, (laughs) uh, uh, tell the people who you are. I am Tyler. Um, I am Superman Blue. From the Krypton Report. I'm James, and I am the Superman Red from the Krypton Report. And what do you guys do at the Krypton Report, exactly? We talk we talk about all things Superman, Supergirl-related. We review Supergirl the show uh, as it airs and Krypton the show. But we also review comics, movies, you know, anything with the, the House of L symbol on it, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And... DC comic stuff. What we'll, we'll talk about, you know, um, always something exciting to talk about. Always something new. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely check these guys out, especially if you're a fan of the like Krypton and Supergirl. Um, I'll put obviously I'll put links in the show notes. And uh, today is quite the monumental day because we have our first esteemed guests, and hey. this is a crossover. So this is we are finally doing Superman the movie. From 1978, yes, that movie that I've talked about every single episode. Uh, it's, it's been in, an, an elephant in the room, hasn't it, Connorell? It, it's it been weighing been. over our heads. Uh, we've tried to not, I'd say, avoid it, but we um, we've tried to give it a bit of air, but uh, we just couldn't ignore it any longer. Every every episode, I've been like, I love this movie, but I also hate this movie, <laughs> and now now we're here. So this will be part one. We, there will be two parts. Part two will be over on the Krypton Report podcast, so obviously I will be uh, putting that up as well. I'll be advertising that, and so don't worry about missing out on part two because we'll uh, provide you with the means to listen. So yes, I, I was going to say like you know it's technically the 80th anniversary was in December. Or I mean the 40th anniversary with the 80th year of Superman was in December. Um, but like everyone's ever talked about, like the movie came out in December, but seventy nine was really the Superman year because that's when the movie, like, really yeah. played. So mm-hmm. We've been wanting to cover it, but I was like, we gotta, we wanted to make it something special. So like when we decided to do this crossover, I was like, that would be the perfect time to like yeah. cover yeah. cover this monumental film. Definitely, definitely. We need two podcasts to cover this movie. That's so, it. yeah. There's and just so uh, yeah. much. There's so there's so much in it. Like, you know, not only was it the big, you know, the big introduction of Superman to a greater a greater audience, but uh, you, you could arguably say it, it really did kick off, uh, I guess, superhero films um, to an extent in in Hollywood. I mean, this, it's certainly one of the first ones that I've ever remembered growing up, um, and you know, we'll get into it, but. I think it still holds up pretty well today compared to some others. Oh, yeah. Like that great masterpiece made in 97 called Steel. Oh, yeah. Definitely does not hold up. <laughs> oh, man. I've never seen that. I like Steel, so I don't want to see it. Oh, don't. Um, yeah, don't. I wouldn't. Scared. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I have no, no interest in revisiting it. Uh, 
And Superman's not in it, is he? No. No. Yeah. It's it has no Superman ties other than the name Steel. Oh, John Henry Irons. Yeah, it was it was bad. Right. Ninety seven was not a good year for comic book movies. Well, I'm pretty positive there's there doesn't even reference a, a shield like the S shield. Oh really? At all? I mean, because yeah. like my favorite part of Steel is, you know, his origin that he's inspired by Superman yes. to sort of take up this mantle, and he out of the four Supermen, he's the one that carries on the legacy, the most, you know, in the spirit of Superman. I really loved. And yeah, he I has the too. heart of the character. Yeah. And I, I kind of like wrote my own like steel into like how if they were to do it like in live action, like using that like Kryptonian like liquid metal stuff that we see in mm. Man of Steel would be because like I was thinking like how could you do steel without making him seem like an Iron Man? And I was yeah. like, kind of, and I was thinking like, well, you got that Kryptonian like armor, but then like mix that with like that um, liquid style metal, you know, and kind of make that into like John Henry's costume and stuff. Yeah, um, but that's just me, um, my brain working. There's also, unfortunately, there's also Cyborg though, who's another tech. Yeah, hero right. That's in comparisons uh, with Iron Man there as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess we didn't have to deal with the Dark Side Thanos comparisons. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we do because I want to see Dark Side. I want to see Mongol. Yep. Oh. Come on, who would you Mongol. cast as Dark Side? Um, I mean, I, I think. I think Ray and I talked about this, and I said Josh Brolin. <laughs> no, I said Josh Brolin for Mongol. Uh, how about Lawrence, also do... Lawrence Fishburne? How, how about him? He's already Perry White, though. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I've had oh, this discussion, yeah. and I've that broken it. That shouldn't stop them in DC right now, especially since they had, like, Jaman Hansu as the Fisherman King, and he's also Shazam. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne oh, would be a voice, and it could be modulated as well, and it would just be... Uh, Prim, uh, primarily CGI character, so yeah, or, or it could be Dark could Side work. in disguise all this time as a mole, oh, as Perry White. <laughs> I I would I would for Dark like Side, Final like, Crisis. My uh, ooh, good not call. Perry White, but just like in disguise kind of thing. Unfortunately, uh, Ray and I have yet to read Final Crisis, but uh, oh, yes. I I am getting up to it, and I am highly anticipating it because I've heard really good things about Final it's Crisis. Really, it is really good. Um, I have to reread it. There's a lot in it. But yeah, I've heard it's I've very good. I've read intense. it once. <laughs> yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. Well, yeah, sorry, Shane. I cut you no, off. I cut you off there, Connor, no. as well. Who, who, uh, who did you want to see as um, besides Josh Brolin as... Dark side, did you? Uh, that was uh, Tyler. Didn't you have? Oh, a... Tyler, I said Ian McShane. Ian McShane, right? Yeah, his I name popped up somewhere else. Yeah, his name popped up somewhere else. I can't remember who. He just got. He just got that voice and, um, you know, presence. And of course, it's going to be a mocap character. So yeah, the size stuff can get you know tweaked. If he can find someone that big, I'd be impressed. But, you know, it's pretty unlikely. So, I'm into bodybuilding, and I don't know, there's some major guys there, but I don't even think anybody could stand yeah, that Just get big. that guy. What's the guy? They got the Man Mountain, the guy from Game of Thrones. He's, he's big, Hothor isn't he? Bjornsson. Yeah. He has a baby yeah, face, about though. Six, 
about six nine four hundred. That's, and- that's my pick for Bane, right there. Just get yeah. someone else to do the voice. That's my Bane pick. But the uh, baby don't face. Don't get Tom Hardy to do the voice. Oh, you got you got he's got a mask anyway. Cover cover those uh, adorable eyes. <laughs> <laughs> chubby cheeks anyway sorry we we digress a bit here we, we could do a whole episode about the dceu but that's not what we're here for unfortunately um we are here to go back but uh first we're just gonna do a bit of a round table sort of thing and just chat about superman for a bit so we have a few topics here for the pre-movie chat supplied by Krypton Report Podcast. Uh, so, the first one, favourite Superman. Now, is this our favourite live-action Superman, or...? I, I would say live-action, but, you know, whatever. Like, if you have an animated version that you really want to test, it's all good, you know? Sure. Animated or yeah. live-action, then, I think, is a good. So, uh, who wants to go first? Ray, you can go first. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Connor. Totally prepared for this one. Uh, yeah, look, um, Superman, uh, for nostalgia's sake, I'd, I'd have to say Christopher Reeves is my um, is my pick. Um, I do like Henry Cavill, though. He uh, he does have the, uh, the presence. I mean, again, I've, I've spoken about this with Connor L., he does have the charisma and and the presence to carry off a Superman um, character, but uh, sorry, sorry that's, my cat's got a fur ball. I'm not sure if you can hear that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say Christopher Reeve is a you know very boring answer. Um, how how about yourself? How about Tyler? How about you? Uh, I you know the one that I pick is. Um, and some people argue against it, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, is Tom Welling just because, like, nice? I grew up in a sense with Tom, like, because the show started when I was in high school. Um, and then, you know, it went for 10 years. And, like, I tell my wife, like, it's crazy because I started watching this show in high school. Mm-hmm. I got out, did college off and on, then went to college, graduated, got married. And in our first year of marriage, the show ended. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I'm watching yeah. as my life progresses, like, this show's in the background. Yeah. I t- totally so understand. Kind of, yeah. You can totally yeah. understand that because uh, those such formative years for you and to have something that you really enjoy uh, and, and have a character grow with you uh, and, and to hit those points, you know, not necessarily identical points, but to hit those major milestones in your life, mm. that's got to really kind of resonate, I'd imagine. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, I grew up watching the Chris movies and Dean Kane as a child, but just like you said, the formative years of when Smallville hit and how my life was and where it went and just the growth, like it just, mm. it just impacted me, like, and just kind of, uh, in a way mm. of my Superman. So, yeah. 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 That show really is about like his journey into adulthood as well. So mm. yeah, that's awesome. a good choice. Awesome. Uh, Connor, how about you, Connor L? Uh, so me, um, I'm going to provide a semi-controversial answer, <laughs> I guess. Like, so uh, one thing I want to clear: this is like my favorite Superman. I don't. I I uh, another someone else put this pretty well. It's like I don't really like saying one Superman's better than another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you have your Superman, that's totally cool. Yeah, and you I don't, don't have to take to. that away from you. You can just say that one's um, the best. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Like, even even like 
like if your Superman is Tyler Hoechlin, then that's cool. I'm really <gasps> glad for you. He's you yours, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no, my pick is not Tyler. Um, it is Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Is my pick. It his live action portrayal of Superman really resonates with me. It resonates with my life experiences. Uh, you know, in my I guess it resonates with my adulthood experiences. There's a lot of there's so much suspicion and paranoia mm-hmm. and it can be really hard to sort of do the right thing in this day and age but uh, that's that's what I really saw that Henry Cavill's Superman being all about he's someone who does the right thing no matter what so and you know with with some Superman it's like I see them put on the suit and in my brain it's like that's Superman and for me mm-hmm. you know only three of them pull that off Two of them. So Henry Cavill, and I'm going to give an honourable mention to Christopher Reeve because I grew up with Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. When I see Christopher Reeve in the Superman costume, I'm looking at Superman. Um, as I've grown older, well, not as I've looked at his movies with a more critical eye, and as I've read a lot more comic books, those movies and his portrayal aren't as important to me as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And another honourable mention to Tom Welling. Uh, because I can't say when he has the suit on, he looks like Superman because he never has the damn suit on. <laughs> but, uh, like, there was a lot of moments where I watched that show and it's like, I'm looking at Superman right here. Even though he doesn't, even though he doesn't, like, have the look of Superman sometimes, he just, he comes across Superman to me. So, yeah, uh, Henry Cavill, honorable mentions to Chris Reeve and Tom Welling. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's quite yeah. amazing. Uh, we spoke about this as well, Conrail, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, with say Christopher Reeve, uh, six foot four. You know, he's got he's got a yes. presence. You know, uh, he sit, he stands next to someone. Um, he stands next to Lois. She you know she looks up at him, um, and I was surprised that Henry Cavill was. Did you say six foot or six one? Yeah, he's only six one. Six one. So not as tall. But he's obviously built like a like a tank. Um, but he has that kind of presence on screen that that I think Superman for me needs like that kind of not yeah. I wouldn't say imposing, but he's larger than life, um, and he has his aura about him. And Christopher Reeve yes. had that with his his character, but he had it with his stature as well. Um, but amazingly, Henry Cavill has that as well, though he's not necessarily like a tall person. You know, he's so. not he's not like hugely tall by today's standards. Like no. six foot's kind of becoming the average. Yeah, now. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so James, I believe you are. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. My well, my favorite uh, Superman is um, running with yours there, uh, Connor. My my favorite on screen Superman is uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Um, I re- <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean. One, I'm a huge Snyder fan, so uh, those I I really I purely enjoy those movies. I thought he was the I thought he was the best um, visual and action director to uh, to pull off the complicated um, the complicated visuals needed for Superman. Um, yeah. Henry, uh, like you said, he's he is built. Um, uh, I'm into fitness, mm-hmm. and uh, so some of my um, some of my favorite things about current superhero films today, especially in the DCEU, is the way that uh, is the way that 
they have to portray their characters um, in a physical manner. Um, they have to appear larger than life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and uh, uh, Henry just, yeah, one, he's, he's huge. Mm. I mean, the guy got completely jacked for the role. And, uh, you know, he, he got to play like, he got to play like a man, you know, with these, yeah. with these great powers, um, growing up in more of like a real world setting where, um, these powers, he could do anything and, uh, you know, just for, for the sake of his, for the sake of his dad and for the sake of what was right, you know, mm. he, he never, he never used them for anything but helping people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I do like the fact that the story evolves that he, he doesn't know who he is. And just because he puts on the suit doesn't mean like he's the greatest hero of all time. Like he, there's a learning curve Mm -hmm. and the story, the character has to develop throughout the movies. And sadly the studio didn't give him the chance to do that yet. It was you know, from Man of yeah. Steel yeah. to BVS to Justice League, and especially in, in BVS where his character was cut down so much for the theatrical version, and then into Justice League, it was all, like, stunted. He went from one mm. extreme, basically mm. Man of Steel, to the other end of the spectrum in Justice League. There was yeah. very little in between, and I think he got shorted on that. Yeah. Just, just going back a bit, um, does anyone know, has Henry... Did Henry Cavill was he always kind of built like that, or or was that purely for the role? Uh, I know we did that. Um, uh, the movie for the role. Yeah, he he had a good yeah. frame. Yeah, and I say that because like my wife watched the Tudors, right? And he was on there, and then like I really like I saw him a couple of times. I really um, he has a really small part in uh, Stardust, Matthew okay. Vaughn Stardust. Yeah, uh, he sword fights Daredevil. Um, but when I like when his name was getting put out there, like I went and saw the movie Immortals. Yeah, that's uh, just because he was in it, and like he was muscular, but like really lean. Yeah, in that movie. Um, because I was like, oh, who's this guy that's going to come in and try to be Superman? He better be good. I'll go see him in this movie. Um, so like he had he had a a good frame to start with. Yep. But he wasn't like he was fit, but he wasn't jacked. And if you think about, it, he he's the first Superman to get jacked yeah. for the role. Jesse, he must have thrown himself into it like a thousand percent. Because James, <laughs> you're saying you're into fitness and stuff. To actually pack on muscle is is a difficult thing to do. You you, you know, a lot of people go to the gym say to lose weight or whatever. But if you if you want to actually build muscle, and that's a really intensive thing to do. Yeah, it, it takes twice as long yeah. to. Uh, to build the same amount of muscle in weight as it does to lose it in body mm. fat. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, the, his, his training started mostly, um, he credits his, his physical training to look the way he does in, um, the immortals right. to being able to start in his training to become Superman. Right. Yeah. Makes, I mean, and also what man is like, probably like you said, if he started then, like that puts him at like 2009, 2010, because Immortals was released in November of 11, 
And then Man of Steel started filming, like, in, what, 11? Because it was really supposed to come out in 12, but it came out in 13. So that helped, you know, help him keep his routine to be even more jacked for BVS. Yeah. Look at, yeah. Look at us talking yeah, he, fitness. He gained, <laughs> he gained, I'm trying to think how much he gained in between um, Man of Steel and BVS. Because he, he's actually uh, much larger in BVS. He right. gained about... Uh, I'm trying to think if it was 14 or 28 extra pounds. Jeez. When it came to when it came from BBS or Man of Steel to BBS. You think he was on the roids? So There's one or two stone, I believe, <laughs> is what they, he, what they say. He's gone on record and saying yeah. no because yeah. he felt like it's cheating the character. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted it to be all natural in himself and do it himself. Yeah. Um, Very. Yeah. Angry. There's actually there's actually kind of a, uh, a bloated look almost to muscles when somebody's on um mm. when somebody's on steroids yeah um so uh per- particularly as a fitness person i don't think that he looks like he has that yeah um especially since he's like i mean they had to peak him at a certain point and kind of hold him there during the filming of man of steel where mm. he had his shirt off in a few of those scenes yeah and that was actually an extended um like an extended peak because that's hard to do uh, for more than a couple of days. But they had to try and keep him there for a couple of weeks. And like as lean as he can be, as well as as, uh, how full his muscles can be. And I think that really showed off uh, in those scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I I read that they had to do that for like the scene where he comes up to the clothesline after the oil rig. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just uh, well, I know. Um, I guess Chris Reeve didn't get as jacked, but he was very skinny when he got the role. He had to do a lot it, of. It, uh, yeah, I mean, these days, if you compare, it's the it's, idea. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like uh, he was he was trained by David Prowse to bulk up, which yeah. I find kind of funny that Darth Vader trained Superman. Hey. <laughs> I find it awesome because those are two of my favorite characters. <laughs> like yeah. And it's also about if you think about the timing of like what a strong man or a a fit man or that hero looks like. I mean, when you look at uh, George Reeves, like yeah, he was a thicker, fuller man, and that's yeah. like the idea at the time. Yeah. Uh, kind of Kurt Swan looking. Um, you know, you look at Chris how he looked. You look at Dean how he looked. What our perception is, you know, it changes time. Will play into the physical. Uh, yeah, I mean, these characters. And you just you look, you go from Kurt Swan to the John Byrne reboot, and Superman's very different physically mm-hmm. because the definition of you know being huge and bold like it has changed. You know, he's much more Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, in uh, like the eighties, then he's much more sort of you know strong yep. man in the seventies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. We're gonna to have to get into uh, the discussion about Tyler Hoochlin, Connor L. Oh, we're let's not up to that. No, I know. <laughs> let's just let's just slay it right now. <laughs> no. All right, we'll slay it right now. Okay, so um, our thoughts on Tyler. Actually, sorry, I just have one thought before we go here. Sure. Uh, okay. Just your comments on Henry Cavill's Superman being stunted uh, as from character growth. Um, see, I guess because we both have Henry Cavill as our favorite Superman. Um, I feel like with the Batman v Superman director's cut, the ultimate cut, which is much, much better, guys. Trust mm-hmm. me. Um, Absolutely. I, don't, I feel like he gets a pretty good arc. And I feel like if we got what Snyder planned for Justice League, 
I'm pretty sure we would have gotten like Dark Side Control or Injustice Superman, which I really didn't want. So I'm kind of glad it ended up the way it did. I think like if Henry Cavill stopped playing the character, I think he's had this Superman has like a sort of fly off into the sunset ending, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, right. That's just my two cents, though, I suppose. Uh, obviously, I want more Henry Cavill Superman. But, mm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with what we have as well. Um, I just know there could be a lot more. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. I agree with – I agree. I think I didn't want the dark side control like bad Superman. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with Justice League, we got a good Superman character. Yeah, even though he was barely in it, but everybody else suffered, and uh, mm. you know it's kind of how like all the other the arcs, the stories, the world that was built for these other characters got cut out, mm. and that just sucks. Period. Yeah. Um, well, with the with the Snyder promotional stuff and the uh, the the scenes that have come out afterwards, you know, we know that uh, by the end he would have come around to be you know, maybe mostly the Superman that we got in Justice League. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I I know you, I've heard that you don't like um, Injustice Superman. Is that purely based on the game, or have you read the, the comics? I have read a chunk of the first run of the comics that came out. I stopped reading some point after he killed Green Arrow. Mm. Okay. Um, like, I, I'm just... I don't think, like, just for me personally, like, that Superman, I don't think that's a well-written evil Superman. There is, like, there's there's been, like, a lot of dictator Superman in comics, and I just, I don't know, I just think they've all been done better than Injustice. Right. Yeah. Um, why, what were your thoughts on that? Um, well, I mean, I think Injustice, more as a, as a whole, the comic books, um, the way that they... Uh, how much of an Elseworlds it is and the way that they incorporate uh, so many aspects of it um, throughout all five years up to, up to the, up to the game. Cause the game is actually like the end of the story yeah. and the comics take place the five years before. Um, I think the full comic run is really good. Um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm like pretty easily entertained. Um, I'm kind of, I, I, I can kind of like leave my expectations at the door yeah. and just like, like pull what's off of the page or what's off of the screen, you know? Um, so like, I like many versions of Superman, you know, some a little less yeah. than others, but, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the, the complicated, this complicated version of Superman, more or less how he, how after what he, happened uh him killing uh being tricked into killing lois and his child how that was like he completely like, how he completely lost himself like he's he's not a man anymore like he just has the only thing that he thinks is is he can make the world better by keeping it under an iron thumb and he tries to hide that for so long until until you know the later years, at least for the first year, few years, he tries to do it under the guise that he is, he is still Superman. And, uh, he just, you know, it's, 
He's just yeah. using his his rule, his power to to end war and end violence. But yeah, in the end, it turns out that he is just be that road has turned him into a murderous dictator. See, that's and like I I love that concept. It's just the way it's executed. Like around the start of Injustice, like the way Batman and Superman acted was just. Like there was there was such a lack of logic because they needed these two characters to be at odds. And right. It really irked me because they were both just acting kind of stupid. Uh, right. And really antagonistic well, my- towards each other, like right off the bat. Um, yeah. And obviously, and then we go to like the Superman in in the Injustice games, right? And he's blowing up a bridge full of civilians because he's chucking a tantrum and he burns, like, holes through Shazam's head, you know? Like, it just doesn't... It, it doesn't strike me as, like... It, it doesn't strike me as an intriguing character. It just strikes me as, like, this cartoonish sort of throw a tantrum and kill right. all these people where... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do, like, my favorite chapter from injustice is actually when he is when he is magically put to sleep so that whole chapter is actually my favorite part of the entire thing uh that was that's really that's really an emotional um an emotional chapter and then when he wakes up like he is super pissed after that because like he loses everything all over again oh wow yeah yeah, no, it's pretty horrible <laughs> what happened to him, I will say that. Uh, yeah, because I, I just I read a story recently that was so similar. Like, he lost Lois and everyone he loved because uh, Metropolis was destroyed by a nuke, and he became a dictator, but it just... It felt a, like a lot more natural progression for the character. Mm. Like, it was the character's values, but they were just twisted into this sort of authoritarian... Um, type of style and like he did become villainous but yeah whereas injustice i don't know it just feel it doesn't really feel like the same character yeah. to me um hey look just just being a a newbie to superman as well so this is all a steep learning curve for me uh in the yeah, inju- ray probably has no idea no <laughs> not at all. Um, in injustice though was he raised um by martha and jonathan as well i mean because they're the ones that instilled yeah. instilled his moral compass and his is you know his righteous kind of attitude to the world how come i don't know i'm just trying to understand it how it got to a point where he actually threw that all away it was just basically because the joker used joker gas to trick him into thinking that Joe, Doomsday uh, was back attacking. Yeah. Kryptonite laced fear toxin. Scarecrow yeah. fear he, toxin. Yeah, that's what it was. And he beats up Lois and kills her while she's oh. pregnant. Oh, okay. okay. And well, then that's wears the off. And, oh, okay. And that just snaps him. Right. Because he's mad that it goes back to like he's mad that Batman never ever really took care of the Joker. Hmm. Understandable. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. he just starts to unravel. And it's like, it's like everything he's built up. Yeah, and just been like kind of upset with he just because I mean at this time the Kens are already dead. Yeah, they're still alive. And, the Kens, aren't they? Yeah, in the book they're still alive. Oh, they? Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, okay. He yeah. Uh, I Joker. Read it. I haven't read no Joker and Harley. Like, yeah, Joker really and Harley it. kill Jimmy Olsen. They kidnap Lois Lane. <laughs> they um, yeah. attach a detonator to her heartbeat. Um, 
use kryptonite laced scarecrow fear toxin on Superman. He ends up killing Lois uh, and their pregnant child, which they just found out about. Mm. And um, so when she dies and the child dies, a nuke is blown up in Metropolis. And basically up to this point, everything is like the same. He is, he is the same Superman as like your basic like Superman, um, Superman, Earth One, Superman. Mm-hmm. He's uh, so up to that point. But in one single swoop, the Joker takes everything from him, his wife, his mm-hmm. child and his city and everything he everything he has blows up. And right. um, after that, he uh, yeah, he blames Batman for it. He kills the Joker. Uh rams his hand through his chest Ooh. and uh yeah ain't coming back yeah that. after yeah. that yeah after he yeah after that he basically is just on a downward spiral oh. the whole so I guess time. He, he eventually does what batman never could and that was get rid of the joker yeah and one of, one of the funniest panels in comic book history i gotta say because <laughs> he's he's whacked his hand through to the joker's chest and batman's horrified face in the back just looks so this is kind yeah. of the art, yeah. Um, and I guess that's the thing. Like, I just, I just don't buy that. Like, the comic Superman from whatever era could turn into that. Like, I just don't buy it. You know, I find, I, I mean, find stuff it, like, yeah, it's a pretty awful like, thing that he did. But I, I'm kind of with you, Connorell, as well. I, there's a whole lot of, I mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like the whole thing with Superman is he he's supposed to be incorruptible. And I like, you know, he do, he always gets corrupt to an extent. Like, so I, I think Kingdom Come is a pretty good comparison, mm. I guess, and how he handles Lois's death and that. Like, there's obviously a big difference because he doesn't kill Lois by accident. Like, that's the key difference there. But you know, he doesn't kill the Joker even after he kills Lois. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, yeah. I guess because I, as I said, I read that story that was so similar to Injustice's premise. Mm. and yeah and i there, there's some key differences though like because he was never enemies with lex in this universe like they're best buddies right. for a yeah. while anyway um so yeah like it did it only bug honestly it doesn't bug me that much like and i don't and like i don't care if people enjoy it like it doesn't bug me people enjoy it and that's fine it's cool um it's just whenever the game comes out like I have to deal with that fan base a lot, and <laughs> a lot of the stuff they say about Superman and stuff is just like it's really irritating, and it's given me like more negative feelings towards Injustice. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do they miss the part that good Superman from the other Earth goes to the other Earth to stop bad Superman? Well, they've completely ditched that, really. In the first game, that, that was it, you know. Yeah. Was, yeah, the first game they had to call in Superman to beat up uh, the evil Superman, which was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, the second game was all. I mean, the thing that ticks me off the most about the second game, right? Because I played the first game a lot, but in the second game, it forces you to play as evil Superman. You can't play as good Superman. Mm-hmm. So you know, Hellboy is one of my favorite comic characters, and I finally got Hellboy and Superman in one thing, <laughs> and their dialogue is just about how much of a dick Superman is, and <laughs> It was just really disappointing, but um, <laughs> yeah. Like anyway, that that's just my reasoning for not liking Injustice. Like honestly, like people can like it. I don't mind. Um, it's just like the certain types of fanboys, you know, that get really mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. My favorite part of Injustice is is how it it expands to that 
that world of the whole that universe of the DC side. So, yeah. um, you know, it may have started with that, and Superman is the overall villain throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. But you know, one and two, yeah. but the the way that it, the way that it's a um, uh, another universe, and there are just the creative liberties to take to use all of the characters in the DC universe as a whole in different ways. Yeah, yeah no, you're definitely right about that because there is a lot of interesting things about the Injustice universe. Obviously, I just can't get the big kahuna um, out of the way, you know, which is a pretty big part of the Injustice universe, unfortunately. But they do do a lot of cool things with it. And I feel like if the games didn't exist with their story and their characterization of Superman, I could easily get more on board yeah. with this. Right. So it's just, on. he is, yeah. Sorry, Connor L, a question then. So in either the game or in the comics of Injustice, is um, does Batman die in either of them or? No. Oh. Okay. Batman's a god in the games. Oh, okay. Otherwise, I was going to say. Aquaman, oh, Black okay. Adam. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that, that probably be. Yeah, amazing. actually, for the most part in the, for the most part in the comic, in the games, he's like that. But actually, for the most part in the comic books, um, he is more or less like leading the leading the resistance. He is ah, he is hidden okay. for the majority of five years, yeah. um, away from Superman, trying hiding out. And a good part of and a good part of the the story is about Superman trying to catch him to stop the resistance because yeah. he's obviously the brain and like the most yeah. of the money behind the resistance, and they're undermining his rule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I also found that sorry, sorry to keep ragging on injustice because I don't really like it. <laughs> um, I just I found oh, no, a lot I'm, of, nice, I'm fine. A lot of the early issues and a lot of the moments they just sort of rely on shock value, like uh, Dick breaking his neck on that rock. Yeah, and like Alfred beating up Superman. Like there's just like a lot of whoa, sh- like sort of shock value moments that I was really wasn't a fan of. Um, it's oh, like, that was, I know... bit, was that the bit where you said that one dude, so was that Robin, just dies by falling over? Yeah, Nightwing, he, like, trips <laughs> okay. over and breaks yeah. his neck yeah, on what, rock, and I'm like, well, you know... It's... Yeah, what had happened... Damien, Damien throws his extra stick, doesn't he? Hits yeah, yeah, yeah. hits him with uh, a screamer stick. Um, yeah, they set like... it up in, in training in the Batcave where Damien always tries to uh, sucker punch uh, Dick by throwing the sticks at him from behind. Yeah. Right. And Dick always catches it, but when they're involved in this big Arkham thing where Superman and his people are gonna like like kill every criminal in Arkham, uh Damien kind of like believes in Superman's side and he's fighting Dick and in the uh in in the confusion he does the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. throws the stick at him and hits him in the head. He yeah. doesn't catch it this time. Hits him in the head and knocks him out. And and as he falls over, he hits a rock and his neck breaks and he dies. Oh, yeah, jeez, it's pretty. Which I brutal. thought was just pretty innocuous, but yeah. a bit too extreme for me. Yeah. Um, not the violence, just I don't know. I, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't a fan of moments like that. Yeah. Um, though Connor, like you know, the one well. one punch. You know, it is very realistic, though. Oh yeah, it's very realistic, yeah, but. Yeah. You know, do I want realism? <laughs> um, you know, True. I don't know. Um, but yeah, sorry, that's our injustice episode, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, next week we'll. <laughs> uh, so how do wait? How do we get from Tyler Hoechlin to uh, this? <laughs> oh, because uh, 
that is not related in any way to Injustice. <laughs> um, no. Tyler Hoach and Superman. Yes. Uh, thoughts, people. Let's start. Right. Why don't we start I'll do with... My uh, quick thoughts. Ready? Yeah. Here's my quick ones. Not the person I would have cast. Woo-hoo. I think he falls He falls into the physical look and kind of like the Dean Cain look where Dean Cain doesn't look like Superman, but then he brings out the character. Uh, point two, I th- I haven't put my thumb on it, but I think what it is, in Supergirl Season 2, when he appears, I liked him much better than when he appeared in Elseworlds. Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is in season uh, Supergirl Season 2, when he appears, he's playing Clark Kent, the reporter, and he's playing Superman, the character. But in Elseworlds is the first time he really yeah. gets to play in that middle ground yeah. where he's not presenting himself as the bumbly Clark and he doesn't have to be the Superman because he goes to a place where Superman doesn't exist. Because um, I feel like he's much more laid back. And I feel like the writers didn't kind of know how to put him in there. Almost like he was forced in there just because they're like, dude, if we put Superman in the crossover. Um so he really – I mean you take him out of the crossover, you don't lose anything other than the fact yeah. that the bad guy mm. takes his image. Um, yeah, I think he did a better acting job as the evil version, um, and I feel like the writers didn't know what to do with him because they definitely made him more passive. Um, oh, he got, he got bloody whooped by the evil version. Like, he the jumped, real Superman, uh, he – he just, and I just feel it was disappointing. They were building a storyline yeah. to write him out. It's like they needed to put him back in to give us something to mm. write him out of the show if we wanted it. Because the problem is ever since they brought him in, has always been like when something happens. Where's Superman? Why isn't he helping Supergirl? Um, he's not my favorite. He's not my least favorite. Do I have a least favorite? That's a, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, but, I'd have to ask who your least favorite would be. Um, Man, now I'm, that one I have to think about harder. But yeah, he he's he's okay because physically he doesn't like look like Superman to me, mm. and he doesn't. And even physical, like the features, it's weird because there are shots and when he first appeared in Supergirl that he looked more Supermanish mm. than he did in Elseworlds. Like it's like he got lean. But didn't get jacked, like built back up to play the part again. He was just like, hey, man, I need you to come in today and uh, play. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch those first two season two episodes of Supergirl, I feel he's much more on point. Okay. Um, but in Elseworlds, there was something different. I think that's where they were taking his story with Lois to kind of, you know, he's off world now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's always. Like said, he's, yeah. He's Okay. Like yeah. I, I like him enough to enjoy, yeah. Um, but there's something, yeah, it, a little off. It's it's always right, a, I'm done. <laughs> it's always a bit hard as well because he is guesting on a a show that isn't his. Um, but the danger with that is that his character is such a big character, so it's a balance, I guess, as a showrunner and 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 what you you do for the fans and the audience. Um, it's not going to please everyone. I mean, to me, Tyler Hoechlin, I only watched the Elseworlds, I watched it um, alongside with, with Connorell, um, all the three parts, and my impression, and again, look, I'm just a newbie at this as well, uh, is that 
I wanted the Superman to be almost um, on a different level to the other characters uh, because he, he's got such a weight to his name and and every you know mm-hmm. he's a huge character compared to the others right For, you know at least I think so yeah um, but when you saw Tyler standing alongside the Flash Green Arrow Supergirl Batwoman uh, he he just kind of seemed to be like a part of them um, and he didn't have that presence that I always thought Superman should have. Yeah, I can yeah. I can totally see what you're saying and get behind you on that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Connorell, you've got some some thoughts on. on yeah, Tyler. I like yeah. He, for me, he just didn't do it. Uh, he doesn't like. I thought his acting was a bit like I wasn't really sure. Like he, as you said, he just seemed really laid back, um, mm. and he he didn't command any presence. I know it's not his show. But like you know, a a guest stars should get like a bit of fan service, you know. Um, yeah. And B, it's like this is Superman. Like Superman is still supposed to be a like they established Superman as a legendary figure in Supergirl, like because they always yeah. talk about him. Yeah. Um, but like he, yeah, he just didn't. He seems like more useless than everyone else. Yeah. He 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 got beaten up a lot. Um, oh, yeah, it was but- it was kind of it was kind of laughable at the end that he like I thought. All he's done in this crossover pretty much is save Lois after she yeah. fell over after using the hammer. Like yeah. he just didn't do much. He looked kind yeah. of he just kind of looked bad. And yeah. then they had a lot of dialogue, which was like, "Oh, Supergirl, you're so much better than me and stuff." And it's just like, surely there's a better way to handle this than to put Superman down just to elevate everyone else. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. I think um, I think what they maybe should have taken the route of say batman like batman in that world uh, and in the titans thing i just saw the preview for the titans on netflix as well he maintains yeah he he maintains that i guess you know superior uh reputation because he's not there and because he's only mentioned you know so since he's actually not physically shown uh we as the audience kind of still hold him up in high in high regard I guess when you have Superman come into the TV shows like this, um, and and you know Tyler, although he, he, I guess he's trying his his best, um, maybe doesn't pull off the look that a lot of fans are after. It kind of uh, dispels this whole mythology of him, you know, and and this idea we have of Superman, and uh, it kind of waters him down. And that that's um, yeah. He. And like out of all of the like Dean Kane, George Reeves, uh, Brandon Rath, like he, out of all of these guys, uh, Tyler Hoechlin so far has felt the least like Superman to me. Um, he just feels a bit like tepid water. I don't know. Uh, that being said, in the first two episodes, <laughs> in the first two episodes of Supergirl season two, when he was brought in, you know his, yeah. the character was like given the way the way people looked at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first two episodes, the character was was given the weight, given the the status mm. of Superman. But you know, in in subsequent episodes when they've brought him in, and he's only been in a couple more times, but uh, you know, they've definitely like taken that monolithic um, legendary status mm. from him to kind of like you said, elevate the other characters, especially Supergirl, seeing as it's it's yeah. her show. 
Yeah. There was a point in the Elsa's cause I couldn't help laughing because Superman is in the room with Supergirl and everyone's looking at Supergirl and they're like, Oh, you're my favorite Kryptonian. And I was like, Superman's right there. <laughs> yeah, I just I just found it funny. Like it's just dialogue like that. Um I wanna I just before I go on to you, uh Tyler, was it James? Sorry, I can't remember who hasn't talked about Tyler yet, but um <laughs> sorry. I think we James, all. okay. <laughs> before we go on to you, um I just uh I got real Erica Durant's vibes from Lois Lane's performance in Elseworlds, but I wasn't really a fan of her look, but I think her attitude was really good and the way she acted was good i just think i don't know her and tyler as a pair look a bit weird to me i agree um and i'm really annoyed i I was so annoyed i got uh i got uh something blocked uh when they played the smallville theme and had the opening shot Uh and and then it went down to tyler hochler and supergirl and i'm like no you can't do that to me if you're gonna open with that <laughs> shot you gotta give me tom welling like so um that that's my thoughts really sorry um uh yeah so me well i mean most of it's already pretty much been said uh you know his first appearance in the first two episodes were were pretty good you know he got to he got to play like legendary superman and then he got to play um kind of the the bumbling unassuming clark kent um he got to play both areas and then in elseworlds he didn't have to do that he had Mm. he was able to kind of go in the middle but you know his superman did get shortchanged uh he he didn't do a whole lot of fighting he did get mostly beat up uh the only the one thing that he was able to do you know besides getting writ wrote out of the show for the rest of the season was um he was the only one who could read the book yeah actually, yeah, yeah i had a question because we were mm-hmm. both watching it and i was probably yeah. typing things in capital letters to raise the and i might have missed it but <laughs> why was he the only one that could read the book um more because or less it was to do. yeah more <laughs> or less it's because he's more experienced <laughs> and he's dealt with something similar um okay. in his in his time as a hero right. um like supergirl when she opened the book like it was too much information for her too much information she didn't know like what she was seeing whereas superman you know with basically his experience in in other world and cosmic adventures um he was able to withstand the 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 bombardment of information uh, and be yeah. able to mm. to change reality by because it was the whole will, will willpower thing with reading the book i get you okay so that is pretty cool then um and yeah i watched the first episode he appeared in in supergirl season two Mm -hmm. um and back then i I still thought i know this is going on the opposite spectrum but i thought it was a bit trying a bit too hard to be like crystal reeve um Mm. and i'm like you're not crystal reeve if that makes sense with his portrayal of clark or with his Superman and Clark betrayal, yeah, I felt yeah. it was just trying to capture that it, feeling too much. Yeah, and it, it also felt makes inauthentic. me wonder because you know they filmed that in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, like looking at the film, how much of that might have been like? I hate thinking like this, but just like a reaction to what people were saying about BVS. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Fair. I think there was that there because in my, like from a lot of the responses and from what I saw, it did seem to be deliberately trying to distance 
that portrayal of Superman as much as it could from Henry Cavill's version. They made it very smiley, very, very, I don't know, just very sort of Chris Reeve. And yeah, that's why it didn't really grab me. Mm. Yeah. yeah, basically, basically, it seems that Warner Brothers, and and it's only in the in the live action stuff. Warner Brothers can't get away from from Donner Superman. They they can't get away from Christopher Reeve and Donner Superman. Everything has to be, mm. everything has to be like the clean white fortress, the um, yeah. the yeah. the bumbling Clark Kent, and the can do no wrong Superman. So, which is in my opinion, yeah. The fans won't let them, you know, in a way it's like, and they try and then there's backlash. So it's like the fans just won't let them move yeah. the character. And that's a big, I've mentioned on this podcast before, and this comes back to our actual topic of the podcast. I've mentioned this before, <laughs> Superman, the movie, like it casts such a big shadow mm. and like people just it, like, if it's not like this version of Superman, then people, a lot of people freak out. And it's like, you know, I love Chris Reeve and everything, but if you analyze this movie as much as you're overanalyzing all of these other Superman comics and movies, then you'll realize this version of Superman isn't perfect either. You know, like it's such a it's such a charming and charismatic performance, but like, a it's limiting creativity uh, creatively. You know, to have to try and make everything like this and mm. constantly give in to fans. And B, it's just... I forgot my second point. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just... Yeah, I, I feel this. I feel kind of the same way. It's this this version of Superman, Christopher Reeve version of Superman, um, is, is kind of a farther departure from the character, like, in the comics. Because it's had so many years to to evolve yeah. and grow. Like especially especially your modern day comics. So a lot mm. of the people who are going to see these movies, sure they're older fans, but they're also trying to bring in these new fans, new people who are reading comic books, who have this Superman who kind of is is up and down, you know, he is a little he is he is a man, he has problems and flaws. He is also Superman and he is the greatest hero uh in the universe. So like there, there are so many stories, uh, so many, so much range of the character, but people are yeah. limiting it to this one version, and it's, it's the only, it's the biggest like mainstream version, mm. and that's what most people know, and they don't know the the range that this character has and has developed yes. over eighty years. Yeah, you can do so much with this character, mm. and yeah. like this movie, like this movie is a boon. It's good. Uh, Superman would be. You know, I'm sure he wouldn't be as big without it, but it's also really limiting the character. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's such a double-edged sword. Um, and I think, I think we'll get there if we get our man of if we get our man of steel sequel, which is doubtful. But I think we're starting to get to the point where we can distance ourselves from Donna because, from what I understand, wasn't uh, Justice League Superman well received by people? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. It. yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like Justice League, Superman was what people liked because it, it brought it back to more of that Superman that they expected. Yeah. And I think that's kind of in line with what they were trying to do with the character was make him more of the hero through these events. But everybody didn't want that journey. And in some ways, I feel like 
Superman works better as a TV show mm-hmm. to do his arc, his story, and his journey. Um, when you look at the history of how many Superman-based TV shows there are. Yeah, um, yeah. And then and Batman is who you would think would work as a TV show, but his story seemed to do better on film. Um, mm. Just yeah. I mean, just looking at the yeah. history of the two characters, you know. Yeah, a lot of people seem to have this like, the, yeah, this weird expectation that Superman can't have any struggles, and it's like, well, that's just writing, isn't it? Like, you have to give you, your character has to struggle internally and externally to mm. grow throughout the movie and create an interesting character arc. Yeah, I mean, for God's sake, you have him giving up his powers in Superman two, so he can. You know, have a life with Lois, which, in my opinion, is the biggest act of sacrilege outside of Superman Returns that we've gotten in a Superman movie. Um, But but in but in that though, he does you you do put him in a vulnerable state, and he does so. Albeit how he got to that stage, you do get him struggle right, and and that that kind of idea of him being infallible uh, is very much yeah. All these people are saying Superman's like this. He can't do anything wrong. It's like, have you watched those movies recently? Mm. He makes mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So speaking of movies, uh, let's go on to what's everyone's favorite Superman movie. Just a really clumsy Uh, segue. I'll go go first. Uh, My my favorite Superman movie is is Man of Steel. Um. Yeah, uh, Henry Cavill's my favorite Superman. Uh, Snyder's one of my favorite directors. Kind of just goes hand in hand. Um, I I like how the movie starts with his birth. It starts the beginning of his life and moves into when he saves the world for the first time. Um, And he makes mistakes along the way, but he is a good person uh, the entire movie. And... um, you know, I I had no problem with the ending, the way it was written. I mean, there's nothing they mm-hmm. there's nothing they could do nowhere that they could um, hold Zod, and he begged him to stop, and all he could do is snap his neck. And it, you know, Henry Cavill's performance, he was tortured with the decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My only problem with that is the tone changes straight away after that moment. <laughs> that was my only problem. But, yeah. yeah, the weakest the part was the kiss, the, but whatever. I think the, editing was, the editing with that Zod scene was bad because, like you said, it just kind of cut to a completely like happy moment after that. Yeah, mm. um, but yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. Um, oh, no problem. I kind of just breeze through it real fast. Yeah, <laughs> there's four of us talking. We're gonna be some interrupters. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely yeah. <laughs> So who's uh, next? Uh, Ray? Me? Um, yeah, look, a lot of this has to do with, with nostalgia as well. I'm, I'm going to say um, the way it made me feel, uh, Superman 2 was my favorite, um, or is my favorite, uh, because uh, I actually haven't watched it in, in years and years, like decades even as well, but uh, the impact it made on me when I first watched it was was fantastic. It, it actually fully realized... Um, some supervillains for Superman to fight, and you got some mm. kick-ass like powers thrown at each other, which was uh, I found really enjoyable. So um, for that for that reason alone, really, Superman two 
um, was one of, is one of my favourites. Um, I'd have to go give props though to Man of Steel. Um, I remember um, the action scenes. I'm a big action scenes kind of guy, so um, Man of Steel uh, was phenomenal because for me it fully realised uh, the scale of power that Superman and, and Zod have. Like you know, people talk about the whole destruction of property and all that, but to actually see that done you know for the first time that was what for me what superman 2 was trying to do but obviously budget and uh, special effects weren't able yeah. to do that uh man of steel just blew that out of the water so that thrilled me the most but yeah superman 2 let's say zod's uh, a classic zod yeah and of course yeah, yeah. it's got it's got my boy my, yeah michael um, shannon zod yeah. was was mm. huge he oh, was I'd, a great villain Terran Stamp as well. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Iconic, iconic Zod. Exactly. Yeah. The exactly. first threatening villain in the Chris Reeve movies, I think, was yeah. Terran Stamp Zod. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next oh, yes. episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about um, threatening villains, Mr. Gene Hackman. Oh, yes. Gene the Hack. <laughs> the Hack Man. Uh, so, Tyler, uh, do you want to go? Okay, quick question. Just live action or does animated count? Ooh. Um, why don't you give us one of each? Okay. If you feel that strongly. Okay, because and, like, I love the recent death of Superman. Oh, it's awesome. Like, that, like, had we done this before that, I wouldn't even consider, like, animated. But that was so well done. And every time I watch it, it still gets me, like when he dies and what happens it's that sad. is like that is beautiful <laughs> that yeah. is like one of the perfect superman films if you had to say one was perfect um so that one's like become my favorite because it's just i think it's such a higher level of like a storytelling especially with that story they stripped out so much of like the excess that's mm. in the book and but they kept true to the actual story of it um so I just got to throw that out there. Now, live action is tough. <laughs> um, and I think I'm going to lean more towards... Wow, see, this is this is hard. Because <laughs> um, I know this is a question I should have an answer to because like, I get asked and talked about. But I'm going to lean more into Superman 2. Well, um, well, we like them I, all, all of us. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I feel like there's none that are perfect. Like even Superman, like the movie which we'll talk about, yeah. has points um, where I think it's really, really good. And then it kind of there's a pacing change that I kind of get lost, and we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I lean into Superman too because, like, my my problem is as a kid, in my conscious, I remember Superman one and two, but I never remember which one I saw when because they fit so well as one film. Mm, yeah. Um, but because you get the Kryptonian villains and Superman's actually fighting someone, it just made it. I, I love it. Um, don't ask me which cut because I, I still go back and forth on that because mm -hmm. I appreciate the Donner cut and there's things I, the Lester cuts at least a little bit more um, vision realized because he was able to actually film yeah, uh, but I think I'm just gonna go with Superman two for right now. <laughs> Maybe it'll change. I don't know. Uh, but it's a it's a solid answer. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. And Connorell. Well, 
I will probably go with Man of Steel on the merits. Uh, two two points as to why Man of Steel is my favorite. I'm surprised point you one. didn't. I'm sorry, I'm surprised you didn't pick Superman Four. Anyway, but, uh, anyway. hey, I mean, I have, a spe- I have a special place in my heart for Superman Four <laughs> because it was it's, seemed like it was always on TV. It was in a really cheap broadcast. Yeah. So when I was at my grandparents with nothing to do, yeah, that was on TV. It was my saving grace. That movie is stunning in like what were they thinking? Like when they're in when they're in space and the chick's just miraculously breathing and talking in space and I'm just like whatever. <laughs> I just I'm just like, all right, whatever. Yep. <laughs> but uh anyway, um yeah, so my two points made of steel. Uh first point is uh Michael Shannon. I'm a big Michael Shannon fan. Mm-hmm. Um and his Zod is my favorite villain. Uh he's very intimidating, he's ruthless. Yeah, I think he's a very well-written character because you think he's doing it for Krypton and everything, but it turns out he really is just as petty as Terrence Stamps is on. <laughs> um, he's really just doing it to hate on the L's. Um, so he's a fantastic villain. I love his I Will Find Him. Um, yes. And very intense. And my other point is it's simply the Superman movie that has the least amount of things I have a problem with. Like the least amount of things that bug me, um, because I do like most of them. Um, so yeah, it's it's the one that I find the least offensive. <laughs> That's um, a good should one. Have picked, should have picked Superman in the mole, man. Should just gone with the safe answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. Cause, cause nobody's watched it, so they can't take anything back to you. <laughs> Zod's Zod's not in Superman in the moment, so unfortunately. That's true. Sad. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, our, our final little point before we get on to the movie is uh, so what's everyone's favorite Superman comic arc or story? Mm. So, Con- Connor L, how about you kick us off on this one? Oh man, yeah, that's true. I haven't kicked us off yet. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm probably just this is just off the top of my head. So my favorite comic book arc for Superman is Grant Morrison's Action Comics in the New 52. Mm-hmm. I'm a really big fan of the Golden Age, but I'm also a really big fan of the Silver Age. And seeing those two blended together seamlessly, I absolutely loved. I loved how he started off in the sort of Golden Age, went to the Silver Age. And throughout it all, there was the modern sensibilities of like the post-crisis sort of Superman. And plus, it's Grant Morrison. He's a really good writer. Uh... I like how crazy that arc got, and if I had to choose my Superman, it would be that young, starting out Clark Kent. I really dug that character, and my favorite story is uh, Alan Moore's For the Man Who Has Everything with Dave Gibbons. Mm. Um, I actually earned a 9.6 slab on that. I got to meet Dave Gibbons, which made me very happy. Um, Got to talk about Superman, Wayne Boring, all that sort of stuff. Um, I just think that it's just a perfect little one-shot. I love it. It has character, it has action, it has drama, and it's pretty sad <laughs> as well. So, and it's the first time Superman goes nuts. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. one of the um, one of the first Superman comics you referred me to, Connorell, as well. Yeah, uh, oh. I think it's I think it's a great uh, introduction to Superman as well because it shows, you know, he's not two-dimensional. Mm. And yeah, so that, that that's my answer. 
Awesome. And uh, Tyler, how about you for for our you know, favorite? I'm gonna go with just kind of like off the top of my head is like a. I really like it because it was more self-contained, but I really and I kind of. I just felt like it was the right way to take the character to kind of update him and make him grow, but it, it didn't affect continuity. But I really love the Earth One that was Michael J. Uh, Straczynski um, okay. did mm. did three volumes, and I just feel like it was it's a really great like comic to recommend to someone who wants to read something Superman because then you're not committing to a vast wealth of backstory or anything else. It's just kind of like here you go, check this out. You know, three volumes, self-contained story. Um, and sometimes that's just refreshing to have that type of a story where you don't have the weight of everything else kind of piling on. I thought uh, volume two of that was absolutely brilliant. Yes. It's um, my favorite volume. If I had to pick yeah, one volume, it's two. It's really um, good stuff. Um, James, James and I have reviewed Volume One and Two, and then over a year's time, we kind of got lost and uh, haven't done three yet. But we're going to. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely should. I'll uh, tune into that one. Uh, so who, Ray? You go next. Um, yeah. So really, the amount of Superman I've read, you can count on one hand. Uh, so oh, uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, as in arcs, so it's like Peace on Earth, oh, yeah, yeah. Peace on Earth, Man of Steel by John Byrne, Birthright, uh, and that's pretty much it. And then there are the issues well, that we've reviewed. We've done. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. issues, that, and and the and the current current run at the moment by Bendis. Oh, don't uh, forget, yeah, Superman and Batman versus Aliens and Predator. Oh God, how can I forget? I thought I thought <laughs> I had left that behind. Thank you, Connor L. <laughs> that's in my head again. <laughs> No, look, I'd have to say uh, I'd have to say Birthright. I think out of everything I read so far, oh, look, I really loved Peace on Earth. Um, uh, that was for me. It was really good art. You know, the story was great. It was a good introduction. But um, no, I I really found a lot of uh, a lot of meat on the bones um, in Birthright. So uh, I'd have oh, yeah. to say that at the moment. Um, but you know, bear in mind I haven't read all these other magnificent arcs, which I'm sure are out there. Um, so I mean. All these are recommendations from Connorell, and, and you know he hasn't gone wrong in in any of them. Like John Burns, Man of Steel was really good as well, um, but Birthright, uh, I don't know. It just uh, I love that whole look into Lex and his relationship with uh, with Superman. Um, and, and there's just a lot more um, uh, exploration of those characters. I found in that, and it was written very well, and the art was was really good. So, um, yeah, either that. Uh, honorable mention to the uh, the Halloween special, Superman versus Dracula. Ah, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, great. <laughs> if you guys haven't read that, you have to. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. All right, I'm in. Superman builds a jail uh, out of uh, leftover bricks in you know in like two seconds around Frankenstein, I believe. So yeah, uh, there is. There is balloons and uh, yes, and there's a balloon as um, well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a big fan of uh, this podcast. Is a big fan of Lex. Yeah. We have to say because all the Lex stories you've covered have been pretty fantastic. So mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so finally we are back to to James. Yes. Um, well, you you had taken my answer with birthright. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yes. So, uh, <laughs> very good story. Um, my, my favorite part of it, uh, you know, being, being a parent, um, and I believe me and Tyler talked about this at one point too, um, yep. is, is the end when he gets to actually get a transmission, uh, through time back to his parents. So his parents end up, uh, you know, yeah, uh, uh, getting the confirmation that yeah. their son is alive and that he made it. I mean, cause that would be, that would be the worst thing. Um, you know, like sending your child off into the stars mm. and then dying without knowing, like just hoping that everything goes well, Yeah, you know? So the, the resolution of that is, is definitely, um, definitely one of my favorite moments, uh, in, in Superman that I've read. Um, I've always been a Superman fan. I mean, I grew up watching the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the movies with Reeves. Uh, I've watched all of the animation, uh, watching the Fleischer cartoons when I was a kid, watching the uh, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, you know. Uh, so I've, I've watched so much. I've consumed so much. Um, and I actually read more comics now than I ever have. So it's only a handful of years that I've been reading a lot of comics. So Exponential. Um, I, yeah, so I have a lot. Yeah, I have a lot less uh, comic book knowledge um, than maybe Tyler and Connor um, as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm building up there. I mean, so uh, yeah, Birthright is is one of my favorite stories. Nice. That that uh, moment at the end where he sees his parents. Yeah, and they get to see him. Yeah, it's very and unexpected. I got was it two years ago. Mm-hmm. Time flies. I got to talk with Mark Wade. Oh wow! Him, nice. and that was something we we talked about. Yeah, right. I told him like just I appreciate Birthright, and I that what James was saying. That's my favorite part. My other part is I really like the story at the beginning, like about him traveling and writing letters to his mom. Yes, and when he's yeah. in Africa. Yeah, like mm. I really like that development, but. We're going to review Birthright this year. It's on our list for James and I. Um, It'd be nice so, to reread it again. It's been yeah, we'll, we'll probably dig a year. More that then. Cool. We'll make sure we send in some mail for that uh, episode because we love yeah. Birthright. So. Yeah. 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 Good idea. Cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. You got to talk with Mark Wade. Oh, he is. Um, he is. It was my second time meeting him because the first time. Like I just was so like excited. I didn't want to be like fanboy. Like oh my god, it's my yeah. like, thing. So like I met him at a convention and just kind of chit chatted a little bit. Did, did and you? I got my kingdom. Do you overplay it? Play really cool? Like you know, just you kind of saunter up. The to second him. time, yeah. yeah, I was like cool the first time, you know, and just kind of like getting the like the uh, meeting Mark Wade. I got my kingdom come signed. Yeah. Then the second time, yeah. I met him. I did the interview and got my birthright signed because I didn't have it with oh, me the first time. Second time, um, just like, uh, what's up, Mark? What's going on? Exactly. It was, <laughs> hey, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's chat, buddy. Um, we'll, we'll go get some coffee afterwards. Nice. I'm sorry. I, I hate to burst you well, but you could not have been cooler than me when I met Dave Gibbons. I was dressed <laughs> as Maverick from Top Gun, so, <laughs> you know. No, I was actually, I was actually hovering near, and he's like, "Do you think I'm a snake and I'll bite you?" And I just said, "I'm worried that you'll turn out to be like John Byrne 
And he said, never, <laughs> he said, never put me in the same sentence as that man again. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Some bad blood there. Smooth sailing after that. Yeah. Oh, no, it was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, cool. So, I guess we can get into Superman the movie now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's go. All right. So, uh, I guess some, uh, like, obviously a bit of background for this movie. Obviously, it was a huge deal. It was, like, the first ever, like, superhero movie, like, big budget blockbuster ever made. Um, besides maybe, like, that Batman one, but that was, like, a sort of comedy. So, uh, you know, the old Adam West Batman movie. Um, but it was like done on like a TV budget. Yes, you know? it was a TV yeah. movie, wasn't it? It was a TV film. This this was huge. I recommend like uh, just finding like there's documentaries on YouTube about the making of this movie, and it's really crazy. Um, I won't go into it too much here because we've been going on for a while. But like there was so much like uh, Richard Donner, the director, and the producers absolutely hated each other. Mm. <laughs> like. Uh, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes drama. They had to invent new camera techniques to film the flying. Yeah, um, there was all sorts of cool stuff like that. And they actually, they actually filmed. They were filming the first two movies back to back. Yeah, and that's why you get that cohesion between first and second because, literally, yeah, it's kind of all done in one go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, yeah. you can even watch the two movies. Yeah, seamlessly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm just looking at my notes here, just in case. Uh, I, I do find it funny that, like, the original script was written by the guy who wrote The Godfather, and it was considered way too campy. So they pretty much, I think, one of the, the, the guy who rewrote the script was quoted saying, we didn't use a single line from his scripts in the final product. <laughs> Can it, was get a, more it was a husband-wife combo. I cannot remember who came in and did a rewrite. And then Tom Mankiewicz came in with Donner and did, like, the polish yeah. final rewrite. Um tightened it up to kind of do that i think nobody knew what to do with superman because they're like well batman worked and it was campy 10 years ago mm. yeah and yeah. the whole th- and then it goes back to richard donner diversimilitude about playing it straight yes playing it real mm. taking it seriously he took well, it very a, seriously i mean that's a that's a thing isn't it it's like history repeats you look at um nolan with batman and it's all about exactly taking superheroes seriously or, or or just dropping superheroes in a very realistic world and that's exactly what donna did yeah and that was patty yeah. jenkins too like if you listen if you read any review like talk about when patty jenkins who directed wonder woman looked mm-hmm. back at superman in the movie nolan looked at superman in the movie when he did batman begins mm-hmm. so it really yeah. it really is like the crown jewel of the grandfather of all superhero movies. And I, I've said before, Spider-Man 1 and 2 are so reminiscent of the, like, Superman 1 and 2. Because mm. um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Spider-Man 1 and 2. And I'm a big Spider-Man fan. And, uh, mm. like, they're just so similar. They obviously, the Spider-Man movies took a lot of Lee and Dicto's work. And they obviously took so much from Superman the movie and yeah. sort of built on it. Uh, it's even, yeah. like, the same sort of arc. He loses his powers in yeah. the second movie because he kind of doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore and it's all about what it means to be a hero and stuff um it's like this movie is hugely influential yeah um like i can't even i can't overstate how influential this movie is for comics and comic book movies oh yeah it's very very important i mean that's why uh, yeah sorry no you go oh no exactly i was just about to say that exactly why it casts such a large shadow because it it's just so influential like in all realms so yeah 
And all of the, all of the other connection, because Richard Donner did the Omen, and uh, Sam Raimi did the Evil Dead Yeah, Evil Dead. Like these, these horror directors coming in and doing some of the greatest superhero movies, I find pretty uh, funny. Peter Jackson you know, and as well. It's repeating itself again. James Wan just did Aquaman. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then next up is David Sandberg doing uh, Shazam. Oh, right. Nah, that's awesome. I don't and, think and there'll like be any shows... horror in Shazam, though. <laughs> What? I don't think there'll be any horror in Shazam, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, just yeah, that horror yeah. director. Yeah. You know, Sandberg did uh, Annabelle Creation and Lights Out. Those were his you know, right. two films. Oh, he did Lights Out, did he? Yeah. Oh. That was based off a short film that he made that they blew up into a bigger idea. And then, yeah, yeah. I remember, of that. course he did Annabelle creation produced by James Wan. And then boom, Shazam. James Wan's doing something I think as well, not. isn't he? He's producing it. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. If he was doing it, I'd be, wow, that would be exciting. But, uh, just very quick thoughts. Are you guys a fan of Titans? Cause I've been watching that and I think it's awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, look, anyway. the, yeah. yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I'm ready in. I saw the I saw it's, the trailer today. It looks really good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's one of my favorite um, current DC like television shows, mm. live action television shows. It looks yeah. like it, looks like it could my rival. favorite with the seriousness that it yeah. that they take with it. It looks like it could rival some of the Netflix shows as well, like the you know the the Marvel Netflix shows. So. I don't think it's quite as good as uh daredevil but then again i'm a massive daredevil fan so yeah, yeah. i could be daredevil was that. daredevil was excellent and yeah. they and they really brought in the costume as well that's the one thing about uh titans here too is uh the thing about titans is is um the dc universe exists yeah basically that's the best thing is is the dc universe exists throughout the yeah. show you'll hear mentions and references and all that other stuff to a lot of different things so there's yeah, no annoying vagueness that was yeah. in the netflix shows like in the first episode uh like robin calls up alfred and yeah, like batman's yeah. mentioned directly like there's no ambiguity yeah, to these good. larger characters yeah, that's um, good. and the thing so. about titans too is the first time that dc's doing dc like it's mm-hmm. kind of like you know the new DC's kind of in-house studio. Oh, They're trying okay. to produce their own material, right. um, so it's kind of new as they form their own kind of studio in the sense where, yeah, you know, Marvel created their own studio and they did Iron Man yeah. and they brought in a lot of people who had been doing this and look professionally. How look how successful that is, you know. So with DC, it's kind of like own. Titans is like a DC growing yeah. pains as they're trying to create their own studio, yeah, own great. brand. Great. And move away from the, you know, because they always talk about, we've talked about before, like Warner Brothers intervention with this. Mm. Um, Warner Brothers, you know, as the studio, what they did to Justice League, blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is DC, like, this is us doing what we want to do with our characters. Yeah. 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 And I, I find, like, find that movies are, yeah. And I find like, you know, the movies are really good, but you're, you're really limited to your amount of time to, to, create a a story from beginning to end. Whereas like with the TV show, Netflix, now DC universe is they're actually able to do this long form storytelling and watching Titans is literally like, like watching a comic book arc, uh, like come to life because of the way it's structured, you know, some of the story will, will play out and then you'll have an episode here that seems to be out of place. But like in the next episode, it kind of like, 
this is where it took place in in the same time uh, with the events going on in this other spot. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the, really yeah. good. We're only on episode seven, but so far I'll definitely say that Titans looked at the Netflix shows and they're like, let's do our pacing better. Mm. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no yeah. dragon, like, even in, like, Daredevil Season 1, which is, like, one of my favorite TV shows yeah. ever, there was definitely pacing issues in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's none in Titans so far. They keep everything going, but it's not too fast, you know? Um, there's, but there's yeah, no, like, I... there's no, like, we have to keep everyone talking for five more minutes to fill out the runtime or anything. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's our that's our Titans talk too. Now we're actually going. Let's get to let's get to the plot summary of what we're covering this episode. So, uh, oh, are you guys ready? You guys ready to fly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Up, 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 and and away. On the planet Krypton, Jor-El of the Kryptonian High Council discovers the planet will soon be, soon be destroyed when its red supergiant sun goes supernova. He stands, uh, he leads a trial against Zod, Non, and Ursa and exiles them to the Phantom Zone with Zod swearing vengeance on him and his heirs. Uh, later, despite Jor-El's insist- insistence, he fails to inform the other council, he, fa- uh, he fails to convince the other council members that Krypton is doomed. To save his infant son, Kal-El, Jor-El launches him in a spaceship to Earth, a planet with a suitable atmosphere where his dense molecular structure will give him superhuman strength and other powers. Shortly after the launch, Krypton's sun explodes, destroying the planet. The ship crash lands on Earth near Smallville, Kansas. Kal-El, who is now three years old, is found by Jonathan and Martha Kent, who are astonished when he lifts their truck. They take him to their farm and raise him as their own, naming him Clark after Martha's maiden name. At the age of 18, soon after Jonathan's death from a heart attack, Clark hears a psychic call and discovers a glowing green crystal in the remains of his spacecraft. It compels him to travel to the Arctic, where he builds a fortress of solitude resembling the architecture of Krypton. Inside, a hologram of Jor-El explains Clark's true origins, and after 12 further years of educating him on his powers and reasons for being sent to Earth, he leaves the fortress wearing a blue and red suit with the House of El family crest emblazoned on his chest and becomes a reporter at the Daily Planet in Metropolis. Okay, so obviously that is like, you know, a brief summary. It doesn't go in depth and everything, but that's what we're going to do now. Mm. So why don't we start with Krypton? Better yet, maybe the opening credits, because <laughs> they uh, they go very long. But I okay, so I was rewatching this this morning. <laughs> I like the whole like narration with the curtain. Yeah, I forgot it's about that. Neat. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It, but at the same time, it's kind of like, what is this? 
it's a bit confusing. It's old school, though. You know, like, it's all old school. It shows film. the Daily Planet, yeah. like it's supposed to. It's the yeah. time we see the planet on top of like the building, yeah. um, like it's supposed to be. But then at the same time, it's like you're telling us this story about what we're about to see. Like it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, and it's it's also not what we see though because right. the movies the movie's not set in the 30s and the globe is not at the top. No, planet building. No, but I guess it's uh, and then it, it takes another fifty minutes to get back to it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I guess it's just a homage, uh, like well, uh, honoring um, honoring the the history of Superman and, uh, in the comics and and his creation and everything. That that's how I took it, and it's that, like okay, it, let's yeah. let's uh, it's like a, a short brief introduction of okay, we're about to tell you this fantastic tale. Um, and this is where he kind of originate from, and it's just a very brief little flash of of what you know, what we all kind of, I guess, should know, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how I take it as as the introduction of where the character comes from, and now here's our tale. <laughs> yeah, and it just makes him a bit more special. Uh, it just it feel it makes this whole story of Superman feel a bit more special. And I, yeah, I especially since it was pretty much like the 40th anniversary of when the movie. Mm, well, came yeah, out that too. The story uh, from where the story was created. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then we, we get the opening credits with the the obvious uh, iconic John Williams score. Oh man, the, the definitive Superman theme. Yeah, like um, Tyler, just like you, I watched it this morning. And I still got a lot of goosebumps hearing those those first uh, the first you know bits of music to John Williams' theme. It was just it's really awesome stuff. It is. I mean, I don't care how many times I hear it or yeah. how whatever. Just that, like, just get me. It's just so epic. It's like it's like stuff's about to go down in a good way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was that. There was that little purple patch of um of of uh, scores where you know we get such memorable tunes, uh, you know, like um, Indiana Jones, very similar Star Wars, Superman. I always put kind of those three together because um, they're John Williams. All so, John Williams, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. John Williams, all highly memorable, highly distinctive. Well, they're, so, they're such I always huge names. That, mm. I always joke that John Williams scored my childhood. <laughs> uh, just because that's what I feel like, you know, like when I think yeah. back like, music and movies in my childhood, I'm like, oh, Superman, yeah. Star Wars, yeah. Jaws, Jaws, yeah, 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 yeah. Home Alone, <laughs> <laughs> Twins, <laughs> you know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got they got like the production designer from Star Wars, John Barry. They got the freaking. A cinematographer from 2001 Space Odyssey, like everyone involved, was such high talent mm. in this mm. movie. Um, Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman were huge names, but uh, like I think you could replace them, and the movie wouldn't suffer. Funnily enough, no. But I think during the time though, they would put a lot of bums on seats, wouldn't they? They like oh, that they like yeah. That made people take the movie. Like it brought yeah. a lot of attention to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, what what did everyone think of? Um, they use sparklers or something in the beginning. You saw, you saw that as the blue credits well, the came space on. effects. Yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. Uh, really dodgy. Um, I think they could have done without those that that kind of like sparkler magnesium kind of thing. 
Oh yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was very dodgy. But uh, other than that, I love the blue. The blue titles. What, what, what are your thoughts on the blue? Um, zooming I, in. I love just the, the. Yeah, I mean, I love the zooming in, like the. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sound effect of it coming towards you, and you're just like. <gasps> <clears throat> yes. Really good. I love the flying. Yeah, I, the, I love space. Yeah, um, I, I think it's really cool how they, how they're traveling. You know, mm. they they leave Earth and travel across the stars past the moon yeah. and you get to see all the different what what they believe so much space to look like at the time and then you get the same thing going back as well really when he goes from krypton to earth later on mm. yep. Yep. in the rocket because you get the same effects and stuff sometimes um i think superman returns uh opening credits to like essentially an updated version of that yeah uh, mm-hmm. which i remember looking really awesome i'm not sure if it still holds up now because i haven't it seen it holds superman up pretty returns well in a while. okay because I, I, I like the um i like the uh the way krypton explodes in superman returns mm. it, and just like i and then how the it goes into the credits from there uh <coughs> so i've watched it recently yeah, it's a very I did like the updated movie. version. Yeah, we discussed, me and Tyler have discussed Superman Returns about how um, the best thing about the movie is the cinematography. Yes, definitely. Uh, debatably, so, maybe it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the movie without question looks amazing. I mean, yeah. and I like the updated version of the opening credits. It's not just some stars and some warped colors as he's traveling through space there's there's stars there's supernovas there's black holes there's dead planets crumbling in space there's all kinds of stuff did you guys hear about the sequel like read the sequel to uh superman returns i did and i think it's the legit version about brainiac taking over his son yeah how crazy is that and he has to like (laughs) kill his son I was like, it was pretty crazy from what I heard, yeah. from what I read. It sounded good, though, honestly. Like, I think it would have been a very good like movie. It would have put Superman in a new location, um, mentally, physically. And you had um, this Brainiac solving all the world's problems as well, and the world resents Superman because he never did that. Like, I, I think it could have been a really yeah. good movie if they made it. Yeah, I think I Superman Returns would have been better. Go ahead, Tyler. That thought. Let's all remember that right there because that's something I'm going to really hit on um, as we discuss this film. Okay. Because there's a line that Jarrell gives an order, and I'll say that to Cal that that would fall into that I don't quite agree with, and we'll discuss that as we get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Superman Returns would have been a better um, a better movie if they didn't like just. Um, try and fit it into Christopher Reeve Superman, but yeah. if they would have just more of honored Christopher Reeve Superman, they could have used it in a similar sense. Like this is this is our basis, but not like this is what we are. Yeah, you could yeah. Have, you could have had it technically be like the same universe in a sequel, but sort of soft reboot as well. Um, and for God's like sake, Hulk. his son! Oh my God, get rid of that whole thing. With the dead, like the weird looking at them, like stalking them and stuff, just oh. I, I'm not going down the rabbit hole. I'm not. I'm holding my tongue. Yeah, let's let's not. Let's <laughs> this not. Could turn I into apologize. The, 
We could just change this whole podcast right now. <laughs> I, I apologize. Yeah, we don't need this rabbit hole. So uh, why don't we talk about um, Krypton, Jor-El. Let's talk about Jor-El. I love the suits. I will. Really good. So I do want to point this out because I always made fun of like how it seems like in the comics, Jor-El is supposed to look like Cal. Yeah. But we have never had that on film. And with, it starts with Marlon Brando, where we get this character who, bigger than life, Jarrell, mm-hmm. and he says for some reason Krypton, and not Krypton. <laughs> Krypton. Well, my wife, my wife and I were watching Smallville, and in season nine, when the Kandorians show up, uh, we meet a younger miscast Jarrell, <laughs> and at one point he says Krypton, and my wife pointed it out to me because I didn't catch it at first, oh. and I'm like, great. So now, not only do we have a Jarrell who doesn't look like Cal, we have white hair continuing, and the mispronouncing of the planet's name. Maybe he just has a speech impediment. I don't know. <laughs> That's my head cannon. <laughs> look, apart, from, apart from the grey hair, I actually, I thought Marlon Brando did look like... I mean, they, they gave him the curl on his hair as well, and he's got, I don't know, he's got a slight resemblance. I, I thought yeah, I saw it. With, to me... Yeah. Yeah, to me, Chris, like, these versions resemble each other more than the other live-action versions we've gotten. Mm. Agree. Agree. Um, yeah. I mean, it works. I mean, this version, it works. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like, you know, we come in with Krypton. We come into, like, this, what's going on? Who are these people? We hear about Zod's coup, his insurrection, that we see in Superman 2, which is really weird. Um, but but we get this there and, you know, we have these people just standing there. And, like, it's it's very otherworldly, which yeah. I really like and appreciate. Yeah. Because the one thing is this film was in production before, after, and during Star Wars. Yeah. So it, it didn't rip off Star Wars, try to copy, like, it was in the same kind of mental mindset that Star Wars was being made in mm. because, yes, Star Wars came out in 77, but when you track the history and everything that was being done with Superman, it started before Star Wars. Right. You also had um, John Barry who worked on both as well. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing. You got a lot of the crew that came over too. So there is um, – but <coughs> – excuse me. You have a lot of – this really otherworldliness, but at the same time, you can relate to it. What you're, what you're, the kind of feelings you're getting from these people. Yeah, yeah. It's the the design. So I love the design for Krypton. Um, this I mean, this is like the first time the sort of crystallized Krypton. Krypton oh, geez, even oh, I'm saying Krypton. <laughs> Krypton sort of popped up with all the crystals, and that shot where the dome opens as oh. Zod is about to get taken away was it's just it's still breathtaking in my mm. opinion um uh, i absolutely quick, love that shot have you guys watched krypton the series yet no i'd like to actually that, that no i'm me. i'm very keen on it there because i have read john burns world of krypton and i hear it uh borrows from that so okay uh, the reason why i asked and we, we won't go into a lot of de- is it does a really good job of connecting like the comet Krypton, the Zack Snyder Krypton, and the Donner Krypton in a way okay. that makes sense. Okay. Um, 
So it's it's really cool. Like you don't kind of get that as much from the trailers, but when you watch the series and see how they lay it out, you're like, oh, this is really kind of neat. Um, I'm you mentioned the dome. It. Yeah, I mean, if you guys get a chance, like I yeah, for sure. I I know at some point, I don't know. I can't keep up with the release and how things go together with uh, different countries. So it's 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 hard to yeah nah, kind of up to. You. I think it's on Netflix here, maybe. Um, but uh, I'm, I mean, Brainiac's in it. That's another big thing I'm looking forward to. A comic accurate Brainiac. Mm. A green one or a mechanical? Look? Uh, I mean... Jeff Johns, um, Superman Brainiac story. Uh, okay. Uh, green, green skin, um, black and purple type of um, costume. Oh. Uh, skull ship. Oh, yeah. The skull ship. Classic and once you guys do watch it, there's a. I want to ask you a question, but I will not ask that question now because it's a spoiler. So okay. back sure. to Superman the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would like to talk about Marlon Brando's utter insanity for a second. Um. <laughs> so I mean, this is this guy. He refused to memorize his lines, which wow. I think is really funny. So uh, what? What did he do? What did he read I think from a cards? Did he? I did. Yeah. I did think there was one shot of him. I did think. Is he reading that? I didn't. Yeah. He said. Yeah. He said because if he memorizes it, it takes away from the spontaneity and the emotion of the moment. Wow. Yeah. yeah there's a story that he that they even wrote some of his lines on the diaper for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> that he read I him mean, off the baby's diaper. He's one of those guys. You'd have to <laughs> sort of run around in circles to not tick him off really because you want to keep him there yeah. um it was obviously there's his infamous uh thing where he wanted uh richard donner talked him out of it luckily like it was a really hectic thing though because he wanted to be like a floating green bagel that's awesome like in, instead of and like, like the wizard of that Oz. says it, yeah and it's like i mean <laughs> i don't need to elaborate on that because it says it all really yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like dude really um i he, uh yeah, I read the um, the making of Superman the movie book, which was oh, really yeah. insightful. Um, I saved that for this year, kind of like as the anniversary, and I read it, and it was really awesome. And it talked about like just you know that's where like he talked about how Marlon wanted to work like in the moment, you know, not memorizing, and they talked about how he was like like you just said like he he had some crazy ideas, but. It was his idea to put the Superman symbol on Jarrell's chest. Oh, yeah. okay. And that's kind of what helped form the idea of more of the house uh, symbol mm. than um, it's a huge thing now. Superman, yeah. yeah I mean, um, that's why I get mad when people complain about it's not an S. It's you know it's a symbol of hope, and people are like, it's an S. Well, you know that that's discounting another culture's writing, mm. making it. Our writing, you know, it's just the same thing. Like, you look at any other culture here on Earth, and you look at their writing and their lettering, and be like, "Oh, it's this." No, well, in our culture, it's this. Yeah, yeah. But no, to me, it's this. You're just basically saying your culture is not important. Yeah. But mine is. That's why I don't like the. But here it's an S. Yeah. You know, it's like mm. it can say. It looks like an S. It looks like, yeah. It resembles our S. You sure. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you have to respect yeah. it for it being Kryptonian. And um, 
and just a question: the other the other symbols are they accurate by any chance with other Kryptonians? As How? far as I know, I think so, and yeah. I I say that because. Like my wife and I, like I said, we were, we've been rewatching um, Smallville season nine, and we have this whole discussion about, and maybe you can kind of comment on this, uh, Ray, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the House of Zod never has one definitive symbol. In oh, the comics, it's always kind of off. You have in um, Smallville, you have the Zod symbol. In Man of Steel, you have a different Zod symbol, and now in the TV show Krypton you have a different symbol for the House of Zod. Mm. There's never been this, like, through line. Mm. And it just mm. seems like somewhere <clears throat> they haven't set aside, I'm like, these are the Kryptonian symbols for these houses or families. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. No, no, no Tyler, you're absolutely right. The good, good question. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, the, the Zod symbol uh, is, is a fluid one. Um, Zod has... We have our own... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we have. Uh, don't worry. I was just going about. I was just going to bullcrap my way through. But yeah, no, you that's have different branches of the family. All that, that's all it. That, yeah. All that fighting and that's and it. All that infighting and stuff like that. Everybody keeps changing the symbol to what they think it should be. That's right. He's a distant cousin <laughs> of the Zod. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm in this. I'm in the backwater, you know, of Oz here, stranded. Yeah. So yeah, I get very little mail from them. I do. I really like how uh, apparently Marlon Brando didn't read the script for a while, but when he did read it, he got really excited <laughs> about it and yeah. thought it was awesome. Um, it's a good I script. Think is- it's, I think it's a good. I think it's a good script. Well written. Um, just a, on a whole, like, I think the performances yeah. for most of the actors, are, and it's a different sort of script that you, I don't know. You don't kind of get these days. Uh, there seems to be a very uh, honest style of talking um to it without being some movies can come across as being a little bit a little bit theatrical like a bit over the top like you wouldn't really say that in real life but there's a lot of downplayed dialogue in superman which was kind of yeah it gives it a very honest feel people everyone feels like a real person yeah yeah exactly exactly um except jor-el of krypton i guess but um (laughs) and otis (laughs) <laughs> uh, artists yes artists probably my biggest problem with this movie but um besides uh the ending but that's all for next episode yes, folks. So, yeah, yeah 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 krypton is uh i that the scene where krypton's getting destroyed everyone's falling down and dying like that always freaks me out as a kid yeah i know that guys i always find it so interesting how he's talking about krypton you know, doesn't have much time left. Like, oh, it's just simply changing orbit, blah, blah. And then, like, moments later, yeah, yeah. it's, like, destroyed. Like, it's falling apart. Yeah, they could have detected it a little earlier. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but Krypton's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, the... Yeah. And and what, there was... there was a, Is that because of the red sun? There was a lot of red hues and stuff with the destruction. Um our logo on our podcast and and shown in the burn run like krypton a lot of green you know kryptonite as well it was was green in action uh no not action one it was green in superman one it was action one and they described it as a green planet i think you might even go that far back i've always thought of it like that like you know they talk about kryptonite being radioactive pieces of his home world Mm. and i always thought of like you know how the earth has the crust you know the different layers of the earth Mm. like 
the different colors of kryptonite with the different layers of ah, the planet. Okay. You know, mm. green being the surface, that's yeah. why it's so abundant. And then as you get deeper down, that's why you get the more rare versions. Because it makes sense for when the planet explodes. Um, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's yeah. what... <laughs> it doesn't have the to colors be green. are what they are. Yeah. And they, you know, and they, they're radioactive because they're interacting negatively with the Earth's sun. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So I, I can't remember the, the, the guy who essentially wrote the final scripts, uh, Richard Donner's friend, Tom. Um, yep. I, I did, I remember watching, he put a lot of, like, religious symbolism in this movie, which Richard Donner didn't necessarily agree with, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but, like, the, I thought it was really interesting because the whole thing is Jor-El is essentially God, and, like, the way he sort of visualized it is Zod getting cast out of Krypton by jor is essentially like God casting Satan out of heaven. Oh, and, right. you know, and the whole thing, they're sort of using Superman as a, as a Christ-like figure, which, you know, I'm, I'm not big on, but I don't mind if he's used like that as long as they don't make it an adaptation of mm, <laughs> the mm. story of Christ. Yeah. yeah. I, right. I don't mind okay. allegory. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, when it was written, it had very uh, Moses allegorical yeah. things. Moses it's kind of been makes more sense into to the me. Jesus theme. There's there's a part in where the, I wonder if that's where it all started then. The, the uh, Christianic mess, mess, messianic themes that Superman has that's today. Where, that's where the Jesus part started. Mm. Is is in Superman the movie? Yeah, I you don't know, remember like, any Jesus stuff before that. Right. Uh, there's a part in Smallville season nine because I point out like to my wife like there's allegory. That's subtle, and then there's that's too much like on the head. Mm. It's when this is all spoilers. Okay, the show's been over for like almost ten years now. <laughs> um, Zod gets shot. No, oh, yeah, and right. uh, Superman, Clark, <laughs> Cal, whatever you want to call him, has finds a kryptonite nail that this guy was using, and pushes the nail through the center of his hand, and gets a drop of blood and puts it on oh, Zod to heal him. Wow! And I was like. And I told my wife, like, that's just a little too a little, yeah. on the nose. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not even allegory at that time. You know, it's not subtle uh, storytelling. One of my one of my quibbles with Man of Steel, despite it being my favorite, is when he's drifting out in the cross pose from the ship. Yeah, nobody like, would do that. Is there a reason to be in that pose, man? Like, is that <laughs> is that like space protocol? Where you just take up the <laughs> crucifixion pose, and he did. And in the in Smallville season nine finale, he did. Uh, uh, Clark yes. did the Christ pose falling off the roof or whatever. Um, and that one, I said, I, I, I told my wife, like, that one's a little bit because you're falling backwards. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one makes a bit more yeah. sense. You see a lot of, yeah, in the movies that happens. And uh, even Superman's ship in this movie looks like the North Star. Mm. Yes. You know, uh, so I thought, I found, because I, I knew that, like, this was a Superman and this is a bit of a Christ allegory, but I found it interesting that there was that much in the Krypton sequence and jor is kind of like God. I found that very interesting. I, I, I really do like the imagery of, I, I do like the idea that jor casting out Zod is God casting out Satan, because yeah, cool. uh, Zod is pretty Satan. <laughs> He's <laughs> very evil, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And the, with I'm that ship, ahead. that baby had to be like 
with that ship, that baby had to be dizzy for three years unless there's like <laughs> some gyroscopic cradle inside because yeah. <laughs> that ship spun through yeah. space for three years. Yeah. And I'm jumping ahead a bit, but I'll jump back. Uh, there's a part where uh, Jonathan Kent tells Clark that he's here for a reason. Yeah. And initially I'm like, so is that reason to stop some crazy bald idiot from like blowing up the East Coast? I'm like, no. <laughs> what if that reason is to stop Zod? you know stop satan like because uh, okay it could be saying zod that. yeah zod would have come to earth regardless if clark was there or not so clark is the only barrier there to stop zod from taking earth over so yeah. i thought that was really interesting and like i'm not you know i'm not like the director didn't do this religiously so i think it works this these movies work religiously and non-religiously so i don't think we've pissed anyone well, off even, but, like, yeah. i'm trying to look up right now like their names are kal-el and jor-el okay yeah. And originally they were just J O R dash the letter L. Yeah. And then later they added the E L, which is, you know, I'm no scholar, but like gets into like the Hebrew term for God. Okay. Oh, okay. El, like El Shaddai, Elohim. Oh. Um, you know, the and even biblical names, like if you look at like Joel and things like that, where the E L appear. Um, and the names. And I was trying to find out when that switched in comics, and I haven't quite found it yet. But it just labels Jor L was the Golden Age with the actual letter L. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they changed in the Golden Age though, because I remember Cal L becoming <laughs> Cal L E L in the Golden Age. From don't my they memory, actually anyway. go back to? Don't they actually go back to that when in Red Sun? Um, I think so. It's the full, it's just the letter L. Uh, I won't. Yeah, it is because of who the L's are. I won't spoil it for Ray, mm. but yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, a yeah. Deliberate. That is a deliberate choice. Um, here's here's, yeah, here's, what, I'll, here's what I'll say to Ray. Mm-hmm. Read that book. <laughs> yeah, read read Red Sun. Read it That's... before the read it before the animated movie comes out, which may be next year. Oh, okay. I mean, oh, no, it, Ray, definitely now, read it before then. Yeah, he, you know who Brainiac and Bizarro are, so you can read Red Sun. Excellent. Now, um, I was a little confused on Brainiac at one stage, but okay, it's okay now. To be fair, Brainiac has so many different versions; it's crazy. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, all that stuff I found really interesting. Um, what else? Do you guys have anything else to add about uh, the Krypton, Krypton sequence? Krypton. Okay, so this is something I wanted to say. James and I have talked about this, and I wanted to bring it up to you guys because you guys have been talking a lot about uh, the John Byrne Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. We love our we love our John Byrne. I do, but I have two things that I'm not a fan of with John Byrne's Man of Steel. Yep. The first is I I can kind of let go of. It's the whole Clark being cool, like playing football, um, and kind of being like that hometown hero, and really putting Clark out in the front. Yeah. But the one that gets me, that I don't agree with, and I understand his writing reason, is the idea that. Clark or Cal, we'll say Cal as the baby, was born on Earth. Like yeah. he was, you know, he hadn't been born. He was in like a chamber, sent to Earth, and then he was born here on the planet. As yeah. a parent, there are so much more depth and levels to the idea of holding your newborn baby and having to place them in that pod mm. and send your hope away that they're going to live yeah. and will be okay and that somebody will love them. There's such a deeper connection there of what their parents are sacrificing mm. for the hope 
that their son will be okay. Yeah. You know, because, and I, I've always liked a little bit more the idea that um, it was a gamble to t- to send him to Earth. Yeah. Like they had knowledge about the planet, but they didn't have like history, super extensive knowledge. You know, they didn't have a lot of you know long term space travel. Mm. Like it really was an experimental pod. It was we're sending you our son in hopes. Because that just makes, you know, Jarrell and Lara putting him in there so much more powerful. Yeah, and emotional. In anything else. And, like, when my son was born, um, he was in the NICU. And I sat in the NICU with him, and we watched on my iPad Man of Steel. And, like, just because I was like, I I need something to watch, and it was on my iPad. I didn't think about it at first. Mm. But when I started watching it, and that scene came with the baby born and them having to to you know get rid of cal like send him off it hit me so much harder sitting there with my baby boy Mm. and even in superman the movie the same principles of yeah holding their baby um so yeah that's my last part about krypton right there (laughs) you didn't get ambushed by some crazy guy in the hall right called himself okay cool just i was good good. (laughs) the codex (laughs) um yeah no i i get you completely um so the john Byrne, the post-crisis john Byrne superman not my favorite version of superman well not my okay not my ideal version of superman but i have read this superman from his birth to his death and return i am very attached to that character because i know him in and out and he's a flawed character as i said on our last episode he can be lawful stupid sometimes if you guys Mm. have played dnd uh but you know, and that's the thing. There is, I do. I also have problems with John Byrne's origin. One thing I don't like both of the, of the Kents being alive, because for me, a really important part. I feel like Superman should learn the lesson of mortality. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important lesson for Superman to learn, and mm-hmm. I think that's best achieved with one of his parents or both. I like. And, I wish they would change it up a little bit and do a line of Martha passing. Hmm. Because yeah. it's always Jonathan that passes. I think it'd be kind of interesting to explore just the father-son relationship. That would be. Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting, yeah. Because I mean, it, it's always kind of done like Jonathan passes, but then Clark has the connection to Jarrell with the fortress as his father, and then Martha as, as his mother. You know, so yeah. it kind of has one and one. But, <clears throat> but I get where you're going. Yeah, I mean, I prefer when they're both dead, but one being dead is fine for me. I know this sounds very morbid, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when, you're, yeah. when you're looking at it from a story point of view and what the character takes away and has to learn, yes. it, it, it doesn't. You know, the character like, of Superman needs to learn that you can't save everyone. Yeah. Like, that's a lesson yeah. that he has to learn. Yeah. Otherwise, he might end up like Injustice Superman. <laughs> so, uh, Bring it sorry. back around. I wasn't, back I wasn't making a dig at you or anything. I'm just... Um, yeah, uh, like, uh, I guess in my head, I'm, I'm actually kind of serious when I say that because, you know, what if the worst happens and people he loves dies? Like, he needs to be prepared for that, yeah. you know? And I just, I feel like him always having his parents there just to, like, unburden himself in. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, with Krypton, I mean, obviously John Byrne was going for the emotionless thing. Like, he wanted Krypton's death to not really be that tragic. mm because he wanted to make Krypton like a kind of a 
not a nice place. Uh, I, I like will. that. Honestly, I like I like the idea that Kryptonians have become like almost emotionally void, sterile, yeah. pretty much the whole planet. Yes, and like yeah, they are. I like the idea they create their own destruction political system. Yeah, it's it's their own folly that causes them to annihilate themselves. And but, you know, Clark yeah. is that new hope for them. Um, being on Earth, it's like the best of Krypton survives kind of thing. Yeah. And so I do like that. I do like that, you know, and like I think Man of Steel, the movie, kind of was like on that cusp of why Clark it was a big deal that Clark was the first yes, natural birth. Exactly. I think because it was getting back to being not the term human, but uh just reconnecting with being non void of emotion. The Man of Steel movie did that perfect blend where Krypton was kind of sterile and on its way out. But, you know, Clark, as you said, like Clark was born and put into the rocket. Like he was the first natural birth. And I think that would have improved John Byrne's Man of Steel if he was a natural birth instead of just being in the Matrix. Because, like, the other thing about Superman, he's supposed, he's like the ultimate immigrant, you know? Yes. But if he's born on Earth, like, like in the it's comics, not an immigrant. Yeah, yeah and that that's takes the thing in the that. comics. Yeah, in in the in that run of comics, like this era of comics, he's talked about sometimes like he's an immigrant, an alien, and some other times he's talked about like he's an American. You know, they they're confused that it's kind of con- they're confused as to like, oh, should we play out the immigrant angle or should we play out the you know Kansas apple pie angle? Um, whereas he could do both when he right. was an immigrant, because that was the whole point of being like the ultimate immigrant. So, you know, I completely understand what you're coming, where you're coming from. Um, it's a problem I have, but as I said, I'm attached. I'm very attached to that version of the character, despite his problems, because I'm, I'm attached so to that Superman. I'll yeah. say this: I'm fine with the Superman, um, but his Kal-el babiness and his Clark growing up is what I'm least attached to. Yeah, yeah. It it comes back to that thing for me as like every sort of like uh, version of Superman, like Silver Age, Golden Age. I have actually that's not true. I have no problem with Golden Age or New Fifty Two's origins, but I don't know. Yeah, it, I guess it just doesn't bug me as much because yeah, I don't know why. I guess I'm just used to changes being made in Superman comics like that. Yeah. So as long as he still wears glasses. And saves people with the cape and the S. Um, I'm pretty happy. Mm. As long as it doesn't yeah. change anything that's really integral. Um, and I, I guess uh, you can argue that him being sent as a baby was integral. But that's that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, so, yeah, yeah I mean, long story short. Point, yeah. yeah, I get you. You know, it's, it's one of those things like you make, sometimes you make creative choices to just to do something different. Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of where that was. <coughs> yeah. Um. So, anything else on the Krypton section? Mm, no, no. no, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Yep. Okay. Um. All right. So let's go to Smallville then. So. Did anybody else just get somebody save me popping their head when you said let's go to Smallville? Just no, me. I- I didn't I actually. Did. Um, 
But yeah, so I really like the small little section. Can I use your phone so we? I do too. Um, I like it as much as the Krypton section. Like these two are probably the strongest parts of the movie for me, in terms of writing. Yeah, I, I do, agree. I do love the um, if anything, the performance of Jonathan Kent. Um, I'll just single out the one little thing when he has that heart attack. Um. I thought that was a really great way that he he played that. Um, it wasn't your typical. It wasn't your um, God. What's his name? Conrell. We we did that. <laughs> that oh, Eben. Eben. It was George Reeves. Yeah. It wasn't an overacted Eben moment. Um, it was actually quite memorable. I I still remember it when I first saw it as well. Like he, you know he he can he can sense it coming, and that kind of worry on his face that he's going to leave behind like Martha. And uh, and Clark, just before he kind of carks it, it was quite a touching moment. I thought it might have been my first big exposure to kind of death yeah. as a kid. I guess yeah. like uh, especially in media, seeing the dad die, like it really stuck in my head. Mm. Um, it was unsettling. Yeah, it was well. very unsettling because uh, he, he could he was he was holding his arm. He could he could feel something coming. And he just kind of face plants. It would just get, and he goes, "Oh no!" Like you know, and that—that that was, a, I think, a very unique way of taking of, of portraying a heart attack. Um, yes, really good, really good stuff. I so well, the they—they're able to set it up. They're able to set it up like mm. when he when he first shows up uh, when yes, when the right. truck flattens, uh, she tells him to um, be careful of his heart. So yeah, then you think you know twelve. 12 13 14 years uh down the line yeah you know like it's it's already been set up that he has a weak heart so it's yeah. not like yeah. a shock and like mm -hmm. uh, we don't see that much of jonathan kent i guess no. we, i mean we see like enough it doesn't drag it out yes um uh, but i, I think it's a glenn less ford is, exactly. yeah glenn ford is a really good jonathan kent i think he's definitely one of the best ones yeah yes yeah, yeah. very good lines actor. just very up the good. driveway talking to clark about who like who he's going to be the reason he's here yeah. which they use you know uh kevin costner uses in man of steel but um just the the exchange between the two like really shows like how uh how a, a good of a father he was at yeah. raising him the the um the way he raised him to not use his powers not to show off um you know not particularly to hide but also like to be a good person yeah. you got all that really quickly yeah and it wasn't uh, you know like uh, yeah i loved what set that off as well because you have that great scene where it has like the bird's eye view and you see the car mm, yep. driving, leaving the trail of dust, and then you just see Clark running in the distance, leaving like a big trail of dust. And he mm. sort of, he's uh, really smugly leaning on the fence, going, "Oh, hey guys, yeah, yeah," you know. And Jonathan's like, "Oh, come on, pull your head out of it a bit, man." Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just is a perfect dad moment of when he's talking about I could get the football and score a touchdown every time. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, you could," but is that what's really important? Yeah. Yeah. You know, is is scoring that touchdown important or is there something bigger yeah. for you, son? And, and, and it's just a perfect dad, like just conversation yeah. of I under it's like that what's important at this moment is not what's important in your life. This isn't the defining moment of your life. Yeah. Um Yeah, and if ever, what, if it yeah, if ever there's a time that Clark needs to hear that, it's around 
these teenage years, you know, where, where ego yeah. and, and especially he's got this gift as well. And he calls it out as well, where ego and, um, and, uh, you know, the, the pressures to succeed and be popular, uh, are just, you know, the highest they, they are. It's, it's the most important time I think for Jonathan to, to kind of rein him in. And it was, it was a really good, really good scene, uh, and set up with the, um, with, with Clark being the, um, the water boy for the, the football team and, um, it's, yeah. you know, it shows he wants to be part of everything, but he can't yeah, yeah. be a part of the way he knows and wants to be. Yeah. I mean, right there, it kind of sets up what his life is, is it's like, he wants to be part of things, but he can't actually be in it and be a part of things. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of on the outs. Yep. Yeah. Which is, which is the thing I really love with Superman is the outsider sort of, yes. Um, you know, as long as they don't play it up to too much that he's like this complete alien but i don't know just that he's always you know he can mingle with people and stuff but he's always kind of alone you know Mm. there's always something that makes him feel different and odd you know kind of kind of like taking that teenage allegory and making it bigger even we all felt that at some point yeah no for sure um and yeah i think i think this scene totally highlighted in stark contrast i mean we'll get to it in part two of this review of the movie of, of how he's received in Metropolis is that you don't see much of that at all, really. That that feeling of that alienation. Um, he's pretty much accepted straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he definitely is. But I guess if you if you had him not being accepted straight away, then the movie would kind of turn into being mm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. If you yes. know what I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So yep. It doesn't really bug me that much that people accept him straight away um but i think it's a fine sort of thing to do and like we you know and now we have movies about people not accepting him and i think that's pretty cool so yeah. um i really liked a young clark and uh he was dubbed though by chris reeve which so, is apparently. which ep- he was what he was which dubbed is- yeah, yeah. Uh, chris reeve dubbed over his voice because his voice was too deep really um oh. and apparently that uh ticked him off a bit <laughs> oh wow because he wasn't told that he was being dubbed, so... Wow. And yeah. also as well, did he dye his hair? I mean, why didn't they just get it, someone with black hair? They dyed his hair, yeah. put a prosthetic nose on, yeah, and then they had Chris Reeve later come in and dub the lines <laughs> for Jeff East. Man. And it's wow. weird because I never noticed the dubbing. I never the noticed The voice it. stuff. No. Until later when it was pointed out. Right. Um... And you know, yeah, it's kind of one of those it's just that... a good, good uh, Christopher Reeves impression, almost. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, I still, I still really liked him though, um, because he, like, he he does look like him. And I guess I didn't know about the prosthetics <laughs> or the dyed hair, so right. I thought they just chose a guy who really looked like him, but. Yeah, I don't know. If it may, I didn't know about the prosthetic, but the dyed hair. I just was thinking, why? You know, he must have had some acting chops to, to make the role that they'd have to say, okay, well, he's blonde. Let's just dye his hair. But you know, they they took his. Oh, voice he was very away. Oh, he's very good. But, he's good. He's good. Like he was yeah. very expressive. Yeah. Like his yeah. facial expressions are on point at the funeral. His yeah. frustration. Yep. When they tip, when he's cleaning all the crap and they tip it back over. Oh no, he's good. He, yeah, absolutely. Um, the pure joy on his face when he's running next to the train. Yeah, yeah, with him running really as yeah as fast as a locomotive. That was really that was really cool. I do like as you mentioned, Connor, before him 
when he runs off into the distance and you just see that this you know the dust yeah just, the trail of dust that's such a good effect it was really good really well done it's cool to now, see lana as well for a mm. couple of seconds that was like a little neat yeah. you got okay so one one scene that we were kind of talking about this off mic before was we see the little girl on the train yeah and she sees clark running in the theatrical cut that's about it. Yep. In yep. the extended cut, we found that little girl is Lois Lane. Oh, is it? Because oh, yeah. you have – because in her parents that are sitting there with her is actually Noel Neal um, who played Lois Lane uh, with, with Kirk Allen. And her father is Kirk Allen, oh. the original serial Superman and Lois. Because she goes, Lois Lane, you have such an imagination. And the little girl's like, no one ever believes me. Oh. So it's like a little kind of like, huh, kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and no one was also in George Reeves, too, after. Yeah, she did She did take over for Phyllis Coates in season yeah. two. Oh, yeah. she was the much better one, kind of, was she? <laughs> no, no, yeah. she was the one you didn't like as oh, much. Wasn't he? Oh, okay. Oh, really? Uh, he, we only saw we only saw like a few seconds of her. Ray is just fixated for some I've reason. I made I've made my mind. That's all I need. A couple of seconds. Phyllis <laughs> Coates is very good. So, but I feel like you haven't seen enough of Noel Neal to. I was just wooed anyway. by by that other. And one. then she appears in hey. Then she appears in Superman Returns as the old lady at the beginning who signs away her fortune to Lex. Oh, uh, cool. God, Lex was good in that movie generally anyway let's not go down that no, road no, no, no. Oh, nope no, 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 no. <laughs> but so i think that's an interesting like little tidbit like i love the cameos of right there representing what came before um with the characters appearing it, it sets up the tradition of lois lane's mom being played by the, like the previous lois lane yeah yeah uh, <clears throat> i coffee. like i like the uh Okay, so I like Kirk Allen and Noel Neal being there. I think that's really awesome. What I don't like is little girl being Lois Lane. Because that means right. she's a lot younger than Clark, and that doesn't make much sense. Right. And given I was getting... how they look when they're older. Oh, yeah, sorry. True. <laughs> no, no, because you're, you're completely on the same wavelength of like, that's kind of almost like, let's say Clark's 18 at this time. Because mm. he's in high school, and even if he was 16, that still puts him what maybe six to eight years older than her and he is actually 18 at this point as well so so does he, i mean does he I age like, slower or i don't know Do, no? supposedly because yeah. i got in this talk with uh my friend zach at the always hold on to smallville podcast mm -hmm. because you know they say oh superman looks older and bigger than everyone in high school because he's kryptonian and i said well technically he should look younger than everybody yeah. because he <laughs> ages so much slower That's right. than everybody else. Um, so does he does he actually age slower in these movies? Because I know Chris Reeve was 24 at the time of filming, but Superman would be 30 years old when he's in Metropolis. <laughs> they never really talk about it in the films. You know, it's just one of those kind of like fan headcanon type things. Like, mm. yeah. You kind of just think about later because okay. Apparently, Jimmy Olsen I, is fifty-seven. So, wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. I was just like, what? <laughs> like the actor, yeah, very, very youthful for his age. Yeah, yeah. very youthful. <laughs> but it, it's just, um, you know, 
Mm. It's just one of those things you don't uh, think about. And I agree, like, it does make it creepy because I've always been a fan of... <laughs> creepy, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of creepy things about this relationship, let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I like Lois a little older than him. Yeah. I've kind of like that's something they they really took to uh, more of an extreme in Man of Steel or in the Man of Steel Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah, you know? she definitely struck me as older than Clark. Well, she looks older in Elseworlds and as well, doesn't she? She yeah. does. That's what I'm saying. They they older, continue yeah. on like she was slightly older than him in Smallville, mm. but with Man of Steel and then Elseworlds, they've really continued that arc. Yeah, uh, with her being older, but. Yeah, the actresses, uh, Margot Kidder and and Amy Adams were both like something like ten years older than their than their counterpart. Right, uh, Clark Kent. Wow. Yeah, uh, really? Henry Cavill's in his twenties, mid twenties, mid like tw- what was he twenty six or something? Right, uh, filming Man of Steel and yeah, um, was he that uh-huh. young? Yeah, I didn't realize that as well. Yeah, okay. He just strikes me like he's only he's only thirty. So maybe maybe twenty seven, twenty eight when he started uh, filming, because he's only about thirty three, thirty four years old right now, right, uh, right around our age, and um, so he's he's, uh, he's born in eighty three. Okay, I'll do the math. Amy Keep talking. Adams is a little bit. Amy Adams is is somewhere almost ten years older than him, and I believe oh. the same thing went for Margot Kidder as well for uh, Christopher Reeve. She was almost ten years older than Christopher Reeve at the time as well. So it's kind of funny where in the movie, in the movie, like they make the little girl Lois Lane and she's so much younger. And then you go into as they're adults and the actress who plays Lois Lane is actually so is that amount older than the the guy playing Clark Kent. So like he, he, he only he only grew, you know, he only went six years in age between the teenage Clark Kent and the adult Clark Kent, whereas Lois Lane, she went. She went twenty something years from yeah, yeah. little girl on the train to Lois Lane in in the Daily Planet. So Cavill was twenty twenty seven, twenty eight when he was filming Man of Steel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Amy Adams was right around thirty seven years old, something like that yeah. as well. No, she doesn't look it. She's pretty good, yeah. So it's pretty cool how we go from like this sort of really, really sci-fi Krypton setting to this really sort of like very just standard. I don't know. Is Americana the right word? Uh, you Americans yeah. over there? Um, yeah. 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 It just gives it a huge canvas, doesn't it? I mean, and then you get the Metropolis as well. It just really, the scope of the, the film is huge. Yeah. And it, it's, it's nice because it really breaks up the movie as well. Mm, yeah. Um, for for pacing it, it, and stuff, and it breaks it like into chapters. You know, yeah. like yeah. you have your Krypton, you have your Smallville, then you get into your Metropolis, which is like, you know, your salad, your first course, then your main course. <laughs> now, uh, so do you guys have anything else to say about the Smallville section? Because we we'll go to the Fortress next. Um, we talked about. I like the. Um, I really like the scene of Clark waking up early. And just like kind of in the cornfield, kind of like thinking and saying goodbye, and then like mm. his mom wakes up and walks out there to him. Yeah, that's touching. And, and that's that scene is like Clark, Clark, okay, becoming a man, because he says, "I have to go, I have to do this." It's like he's he's now with the absence of his father stepping into a new role, where 
I can't think about football. I can't think it like that. That stuff is behind me now. That that is over. There, there's something bigger now that like that had been preparing me for that I now have to embrace. Yeah, and I just, I just really kind of, I like the look of that scene, and what happens in that scene. Oh, the, it, all of all of these scenes are like gorgeously shot. Um, yeah. Does anyone yeah. know in the um in the um other version, the Donna version of it? Is there any more of that interaction between Clark and the rest of the high school students? Because that seemed to be really setting up to something. Um, not to say that it's bad that they didn't go there. Actually, it's one of the things that you don't see in modern movies now um, where like incidental characters are literally just really throwaway. Um, in, in this movie, um, Donna invested a lot in, in trying to at least obviously showcase Lana um but you know the dynamic of clark within within that kind of high school dynamic um was there anything else extra in the non-theatrical release or not really like i have the uh i have the tv cut and there's a few it's been a while since i've watched and i've only watched it once of just the kids kind of in the car Mm. and i think there's just a little bit more dialogue like just a line or something like that like when they see clark okay but it's it's nothing more major other than we do see that like um lana's in the back seat yeah. and we do see that she's kind of like doesn't want to be there and she's kind of like yeah. i should like she doesn't like the people she's hanging out with this yeah. kind of thing yeah um that kind of makes you think that she would prefer being with clark yeah but that's really about it because that that premise alone is like a movie in itself, you know. You know what I mean? Like, a, a, so or a ten season TV show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think actually it, it it does well for the movie by by doing that by taking time to create that. But it, it's just um, yeah. Then he goes off to Metropolis, and you never see them again. I think what's really impressive about this Smallville segment is it just it shows you exactly the amount you need to see mm. no more no less it's like the perfect amount that you need to see yeah um it's just, like, it's just like jonathan like, kit like it does what it needs to do yeah. it yeah. makes you want more but it does it, but it, it it satisfies with what you get yeah. well because you kind of want to sort of miss it yeah you know? yeah i'm not sure it. like i'm not sure like uh how far it goes back in the comic books but um l- uh, and unlike the show Smallville, um, Lana, like Clark, and, and Clark was more of a friend to her over the years. So they kind of even the way it looks appears in the movie. Like she wants she's she wants to be friends with Clark. She wants to maybe even you know be more than that with Clark. But at the time, it's not even. Uh, I think in the they, comics, they like. Lana was always like the childhood equivalent to Lois Lane, always trying to find out if he was actually Superboy. Um, you know, sort of served the exact same function. Is that what you're asking? Um, uh, just like yeah. I'm not sure if it started with with the movie or if if the movie did that because of that precedence in the comics. Okay, yeah. and they also it. like later in stories and in different comics, like Lana ends up being the first person that Clark ever tells his secret to. Yeah, and they kind of they move past the dating and just stay really good friends. And um, I loved Super- Superman for all seasons. It hit, it's hit at 
Um, and then it's kind of brought up in Superman the Animated Series when Lana appears yeah, in an mm-hmm. episode. That's one of the best things about John Byrne's origin is actually the effect it has on Lana, him telling her this secret and then just leaving. Like, I love how it has this really messed up effect on her because, oh, like, the the person she loves has told him that this amazing secret and it's like, okay, I'm off to Metropolis, see ya. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so anything else with Smallville? No. <coughs> Oh, Cheerios. Do you guys like Cheerios? I like Cheerios. <laughs> I like this Cheerios. This podcast is sponsored by Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it kind of makes you think Cheer- Cheerios is General Mills, right? And it's kind of funny because Superman, uh, The Avengers of Superman was sponsored by Kellogg's. So it's just mm. kind of funny, you know, that uh, <clears throat> it's like, haha, Kellogg's. <laughs> yeah, those, those old uh, George Reeves ads. Where he's just endorsing cereal were always pretty funny. Love it. Love yeah. It. So yeah, that uh, for for listeners not in the know, that was just there was like a really obvious box of Cheerios um, in the window uh, near the end of the Smallville sequence. Product placements. Yeah. So we have uh, so we have Clark following this green crystal. He's like, I better follow this green crystal. <laughs> um, and he just he seems to just walk to the Arctic. And yeah. he throws it, and then a big fortress pops up. And you know, as I've oh, I already talked about this in the synopsis, is where he hears from Drell and stuff. So I this this whole fortress section, him talking to Drell, I kind of have a lot to say here. Not as much mm. as Krypton, but you know, there's there's this is where my first problems with the movie actually come in. Mm. Go for it. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, come on. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, first, the... Okay, let's just get the elephant out of the room. Like, this is brainwashing. <laughs> yes. Like, he's 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 come into the fortress, and then he's brainwashed by his space ghost dad for 12 years. You know, he's not out exploring the world. He's not out getting a degree. He's listening to his dad, who's of another culture completely, like, who's of Krypton, this old dead planet, and he gets like all of his worldly experience from him, mm. you know, like the, and it just feels like this is a, this is the time where Clark is finding out who he is, you know, yeah. and it's essentially just, he sat in this ice cube for 12 years. Yeah. It, it seems you know? to me that, um, like when I first watched it again, like as a, as a youngin, um, that, that Jorel seemed to be not all knowing but he seemed to be massively well versed in everything the god thing again yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's a god thing so um i know i could totally see what you're saying about the brainwashing thing but what i took it of was jorel giving a a an objective view of this is what this is where you've been placed into so he was actually fast forwarding Clark with all the, as you're saying, world um, experiences. I, I think that's what they were kind of going for. But I can it just totally, yeah, it yeah. feels so artificial. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I feel like totally he should does. be out in the world. Yeah, yeah. Just totally. the way they do it, like with the, we're gonna take a journey now through space and time. Mm. Like they're just talking about, and it's in here is where one of my problems come in. Is when he has the line. I know it's here, and it's like repeated later about. In involving himself in human history, 
Yeah. Well, that was that's well, important. Well, hello. That's important for the the cr- yeah. the uh, revelation that we're not alone in the universe is pretty big human history. <laughs> I think his his presence alone is history. Um, yeah. He's already changed history by being here. He's already I, altered human yeah. development. Yeah. By being here. So back to what you said earlier about in the uh, the story of people resenting Superman for not fixing human problems or yeah. uh, helping us. This is like the problem that I have where, you know, Jarrell forbids him from interacting in human history. Yeah, and I understand but, why yeah. they're setting that up. Yes, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense. To me. It does. It, it also contradicts like what he tells Clark because yeah. he's like, "Be the guiding light." For these people yeah you know make them better but at the same time he's like hey don't do anything <laughs> you know um but exactly. as and we all know that it's setting up the very end of the movie yeah. with uh yeah that sequence yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i completely understand um this like this this whole thing just has so many like as a superman fan and even as like basic writing like this basic hero's journey yeah. it's kind of weird that he spends because i get like you go all right let's say you go to the himalayas and you study with a monk for 10 years okay mm-hmm. i get that but going from like the way clark's journey envelops this just feels like a really weird part of it he goes from being just like he has just entered adulthood to like a 30 year old mm-hmm. you know and he hasn't it just feels like how would you grow as a person from this i don't yeah. know like he's not, he's not out there. Inter- he, I mean, I said it before. Like every other Superman origin, he's gone to like overseas. He's gone to university. He's yeah. been saving some people along the way. But here, he's just, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think, know. You guys chime in. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, the, I think he's. No, um, forced, I, I so, agree. Yeah. It's a short. It's a cheap shorthand way of like saying he gets knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And like, how do you get a job as a reporter without yeah. having your like? This is my resume. I yeah. did this. These yeah. are my references. Like, yeah. So I, I, look, I, I completely. Yeah, I think unfortunately, I mean, you, I totally agree with you guys absolutely as well. But um, looking at the the when it was written and the movie of its time, uh, those sorts of considerations, you you know, writing. I think, especially for a, a superhero film, although they they are making a big effort with this one. Um, I don't think the writers were invested in in thinking that that they they have a short bit of time to try and get um, Clark or Superman from from point A to point B, and they've only got so much time to do it. And yeah, yeah. I think I think they just really they did cut huge corners, and and obviously it's picked up now. Um, but I I believe back in the time, then you know, um, look at many movies in general, and the the level of. Uh, the depth of thought that I think that we're going through now um, is, you know, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be common at all back in that time. No, it it wouldn't be. I mean, you just, that you can just see that from lots of different movies at different times. Just the thought and the depth that we place in our subject matter um, is more extensive. Yeah. And uh, like the, uh, that time, yeah, that 10, that 10 to 12 years that he's in the fortress, you know, uh, it's like, it's artificial, yeah. um, and it's and it's like recorded history. Alien. Like, just yeah, does like do do like is there alien history as well? Yeah, is there 
Mm. Is there like time travel? Do they know uh, past, present, and future? Like, is he dealing with that? Um, so he learns all this, like everything artificially. Yeah. So he, he's pretty much like disconnected from the world for 10, 12 yeah. years. So yeah. it, that it's a, yeah, it's a shorthand way of getting him from here to there, but it's also like, he has no wor- he has no worldly experiences, no social interaction with people for the next twelve years. Yeah, which could explain why he's so socially awkward. Like when he's when he's where uh, yeah. Well, camp. where would he come up with that concept as well? Coming, <laughs> you know, being alone in the fortress for twelve years. Yeah, true. learning everything off a computer, being downloaded with all this information. <laughs> like e- even then- in the shadier. Like even in the shade, like even when Clark has gotten a job without having a degree, he's gotten it because he wrote a story about himself. <laughs> like, yeah, it was cheating, but he still did something to get that job. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and um, it's referenced in Lois and Clark, and it was in another. Oh, I can't remember, but like he was originally hired as a typist. Like, and then when he—that's how he got his foot in the door because he was a really fast typist. <laughs> right. And then, then he did a story ironically about himself and that's how he got the reporter job mm. yeah yeah What's so, back so in the superman time, cheating all over superman cheating all around <laughs> yeah <laughs> first, using his powers first, to be the fastest typist and... <laughs> first huge problem with the movie and there is more to come but uh yeah so other My, stuff yeah this scene i okay so as a like from a cinematic i don't like that when we when we get the really weird like ghost dad space mask that comes back and shatters oh yes yeah yeah, yeah. i don't like that he's standing there in the costume and then flies out oh you don't i i don't because it's like a tease and i get that yeah but i would prefer like you get that like the music and that shattering and then cut to metropolis so it makes it that just that little bit more powerful when he first actually appears yeah, yeah, yeah. as Superman and then takes off to save Lois. Yeah. Because you didn't have that tease. Because there's really no point for that tease. Yeah. Other than just saying, Oh look, there's the costume and he can fly. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, to be fair, I was quite excited when you do you see you see him for the first time, but you can wait. I mean, I'm excited, that, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, but you can wait that little bit longer. Like a, yeah, I heard that was a bigger pause TV. moment yeah. in the cinemas yeah. that moment. That anticipation um, to actually see him. But you're right, though, um, Tyler, you can easily hang on a few more minutes <laughs> and wait for that first. That would be a huge applause moment when he actually catches Lois midair and, and catches the helicopter. Yeah. Because yeah. then, then you're seeing him really fly yeah. and do something. You're seeing him better because, like, you yeah. don't get, like, a close-up shot. You get a far-off distance mm. shot. Yeah. Of him in the costume. Yeah. Now, okay, this is where I'm going to go way off tangent. So, in the Death of Superman movie, right? Uh, the animated one. Animated. Yeah, so speaking about, like, this is jumping ahead, but I won't talk about it long. Clark rescuing Lois, and there's that famous line, you've got me, who's got you? Mm. I really hate when they keep using that. Oh, like, do, they, out of do they? Okay. Yeah, like, in the Death of Superman movie, mm-hmm. uh, like... Yeah. You know, they, they use that line and it makes absolutely no sense and it takes me out of it. It's like, oh, look, remember the Christopher Reeve Superman movie? Yeah, and they, yeah they, they use that line in the comics sometimes and that's yeah. you know, why I hate Secret Origins. Uh, but anyway. Just uh, real quickly with the death of Superman, that, that 
animated movie wouldn't exist in the way it does right now um, without without Christopher Reeve's movies, without um, Man of Steel, and without uh, BVS. Well, there was there was Christopher Reeve stuff in there, but there was so yeah, especially in the action, there was so much BVS and uh, Man of Steel in that movie. Like Absolutely. some of the shots were. It made me I, and I like, happy. Yeah, I, I like the way that they did that because they were like, like this is this is Superman now. We're like, we're showing you, we're honoring what's happening now in yeah. in this other version as well. Yeah, it wasn't just avoiding it like a lot of other stuff has been, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. Me. Like we sort of talked about earlier, how everyone's, how all the other stuff is sort of clinging to Donna while avoiding the controversial BBS. But now it seems to be getting embraced a bit more, maybe, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, excited to see Reign of Superman. Anyway, uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm excited. Um, So, what do you guys think of, like, the fortress itself? Like, this is, for better or worse, this is pretty much the fortress design we're stuck with in comics as well. Um, How do you guys feel about the whole crystal thing? The the crystal thing don't bother me. Um, I think it's kind of neat because it is like a reflection of his home world mixed with Earth. I like it in some of the comics later where, you know, he builds the ice sculptures and he has actual like rooms. Yeah. Uh, it makes mm-hmm. it more almost like a, a place to live. Like this just looks like a, a bunch of crystals and ice. Yeah. You like know? why would he hang out there unless he wants like another brainwashing session? Um yeah, like, because my favorite version of the Fortress is the Silver and Bronze Age, where he just has, like, his zoo and yep. all of these rooms with mementos and trophies and, like, even the... And I think I think the modern era, even though it uses this design, I think, he, as you said, he still has all these different rooms and stuff because the Fortress of Solitude is, you know, it's like real life. We all want our own hangout. Mm. Where we can, like, this is a place he goes to wind down and... Hang his cave, yeah, you know? Superman's yeah, yeah. man cave. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. pretty much. Yeah, it's you know he does like later in comics like he does experiments where he's um, trying to help humanity and stuff like that. Like yeah, and help all living creatures. Like this is you know his his place, and so I would have yeah, liked so- to have seen that more more like I would like to eventually see that in other, and they kind of touch on it on Supergirl, um, expanding the fortress. Uh, but just like a room full of ice with crystals, it's kind of like, yeah, there's nowhere to sit down. Well, he has a bed there. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? So, with some super sheets. Oh, man. It's like, there's so much wrong with that scene. It's like, did he put a bed in there for that purpose? Or was the bed Probably. already there? Um, but, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, the fortress looks like, objectively, it looks great. But, yeah, yeah it just looks, it looks empty and weird, which yeah. makes sense. Um, but this, despite the fact that this Superman has been brainwashed like an alien weirdo, he yeah. still seems pretty human. So it's a bit weird he hangs out here. But yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's meant to be an abode, right? It, it's 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 more like as it's not like a it's not like a home. It's uh, as you say, it's a place to go to contemplate. It, it's more, almost like a you know, dare I say, uh, like a church or a cathedral or something. But it, it's a place where he can meditate. Um, that's yeah. how I took it. So it, it's not. That's true. Yeah, um, but it's a it's a place for him to be whatever he wants and needs to be. Yeah, like if he just wants to like take the cape off, uh, and you know just be Clark, 
you know, not ha- like because you got to think of like him as threefold. You know, you have Bumbley Clark, yeah. which is the Clark that he projects through the worlds, um, and then he has the character of Superman. But the real person's right there in the middle, and this is kind mm-hmm. of where the middle person gets to be himself. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, another another big problem I had with this scene. Yes, there is another one. Another one <laughs> is. Uh, you know, when Jarrell is giving his mission statement to Clark and he says, live as one of them, like, so instead of all of these other versions where we have either, like, Clark generally decides for himself he wants to go out in the world and do good, um, especially with Maren Pa's teachings, instead of that we have Jarrell going, hey, go in and blend in, live as one of them like some weirdo, and... You know, kind of like he, he well, okay, he tells him to take, he, he speaks to him to take like a very outsider approach. He's like, live as one of them and lead them, you know, be like a guiding light. Like he, his motivation yeah, is right. too, too distant from human, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, and he's I, not, maybe yeah. that reflects more on Jarrell being an alien. Like he doesn't have any kind of cultural or anything touches with Earth. As well as you know, Cal growing up. That's on true. Earth. Yeah, and, and the movie, like, yeah, they do. It's and, it's, yeah. it's an outsider trying to tell someone how to be an outsider. You know, yeah. and trying to tell them what to do, and it's like, okay, Dad, but you're not part of this. Yeah, you've got no experience you know, you, in this. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they do really go into that in Superman Two, to be fair, which was filmed back to back. Like there is a direct thing saying, "Hey, Dad." Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> of course, you know, it turns we out might just have to, we might just have to make this a series. You know, we knock yeah. out Superman one, and then we we'll, have to go back and do Superman two. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do Superman two because these were filmed like back to back, so it's kind of hard to not talk about them as one sort of entity sometimes. Yeah, because there's, it, it there's is because the story film, threads yeah. carry over like seamlessly. Yeah. yeah, the story threads all, like, thematically, the character growth, they go from one into two. Like, the story doesn't really end with one. So, uh, the, the yeah, problem I mean, covering two is, like, which cut do you do is the big yeah, problem. Well, the origi- yeah, with the original ending um, for this one, there's one of those missiles was but, actually supposed to be the bomb that shatters the Phantom Zone. Yeah. As opposed I think for, to... Yeah, that's right. For a long-term discussion... We do, you do the Lester cut with mentions of the alternate stuff, um, yeah. just because everyone's going to have probably the Richard Donner cuts not as easily available to m- most people, nor um, is as familiar as a lot of people have, and it's easier to look at. This is this is what they gave us yeah. first, yeah, you yeah. know, and then we can talk about the alterations and yeah. the things that were were done differently in the alternate yes. cuts because uh, even, gonna, even yeah. knowing that knowledge that they're the alternate cuts affects this movie that we're talking about right now because the ending is, of this film which we'll get to is reshaped because of what was going to be done with superman 2 yeah it's it's so and it's so tricky because like the lesser cut in my opinion is a better movie because it's better put together but the donna cut like it carries over the plot threads and the character arcs better it's the better the story yeah so it's just uh, it's so annoying honestly it's <laughs> just give us one cut give us a super cut i've looked at some fan cuts which do some pretty uh 
good jobs actually. Um, but yeah, um, well that that's me on the fortress, <laughs> really. <coughs> uh, yeah. Any any other thoughts on the fortress? Uh, Tyler, James. No, I think we pretty much pretty like, well covered it. There. Yeah, we've cover the a, crap out of it. Got a good solid <laughs> in here. Great place to pick up, you know, and, and yeah. fly away with the next one. Yeah, so this is part one, guys. Part two will be um, on the Krypton Report podcast. There will be plenty of links. Uh, I won't leave you guys hanging. Don't worry, you'll find it. Um, our next episode on this podcast will be covering the Dark Knight over Metropolis storyline. Uh, yeah. which is an important storyline in both Superman and Batman canon, even to this day. Uh, it's a listener request as well. Ah. So looking forward to cover that. Um, you know, uh, write us in as usual. Now, uh, so I know we did this at the start, but uh, Tyler and James, where can they find you? Where can our listeners find you? Um, well, I'm just uh, James Cole the Third at uh, on Facebook. And Tyler has disappeared. Oh, no. Maybe he's talking to his uh, space ghost dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Krypton Report is on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on all three. Cool. Um, it's also uh, kryptonreport at gmail.com. Excellent. Cool. Um, yeah, make make sure you check them out. Uh, and yeah, so we're really looking forward to part two. Yeah, thank you so much, um, James and Tyler, for coming on to the last Sons of Krypton. It's, it's been a blast um, speaking about this. We're only about halfway through. We're we're yeah. fifty minutes through yeah. a two-hour and twenty-minute movie. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us, and uh, you know. Look forward to finishing this. Yeah. Finishing talking about Superman the movie. Yeah. Well, yep. I mean, I, I think between the two episodes, we will do it justice. It's uh, a mammoth boon for for comic book movies in general. So, um, yeah, mm. it's glad. To, I'm Absolutely. glad to have been part of this. Um, yeah, part of this discussion. Yeah, despite its, tr- I think, despite its troubling legacy, it has overall it has a better legacy than a bad one. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yes, but more and more about that. There'll be lots to talk about next episode. So um, until next time, uh, just maybe, like, just don't listen to everything that your space ghost dad says. And and try to memorize the lines. Yeah, that too. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Catch you up. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least... Thank you everyone for listening.